I owe all of my strengths to my willingness to face my weaknesses. All, all too often, humans are trapped by trauma, by negative thinking, by fear, ultimately, of some kind, right? And to say, oh, I cannot face my weaknesses. I cannot face my flaws. I cannot face the darker side of my psyche. And you can tell when people have this fear. You can tell, you can feel the apprehension in them, and it's disgusting. Now, I can tell you about this from a personal level, say that I, I have had times for myself where I have been afraid. I have been able to look back over the course of my life and say, oh my gosh, I was weak. And in my life, uh, you know, I, to, to really get personal, if I may, <laughs> it's been a lot in relationships. I've always been too trusting. I've always been too generous in giving other people the benefit of the doubt. And it's really only recently, and I, you know, I, I realized that for most of us, no, no one had a normal childhood. No one had a perfectly happy childhood. And it is those flaws in that experience that give us our personalities and make us interesting. But there are also the deficiencies in our potential to be fully actualized, fully self-realized, fully empowered adults. And many of us are stunted in that emotional growth. And if you look around the world, this is, this is very important, I think, from how we relate to other people, kind of sidebar here. Because when you can see other people as emotionally childish, it's much easier to be sympathetic. You don't get you don't get angry at a child for being a child. Why would you get angry for an adult for acting like a child when that's the part of them that was never raised up properly? And so for myself, I know that my experience with my parents, with their divorce, with all the various circumstances of, of, around that is that the, the defining trauma deficiency of my childhood. I mean, they're, they're probably deeper things but i realize now how in hindsight that has affected my life my relationships have, have related to other people and there's a, a big perspective that i think is important to bring into the conversation about mental health because we have more leisure time than ever before in human history i mean ups and downs, two steps forward, one step back. I'm not talking about this moment, but this period in history, right? I mean, we might be in the middle of a major step back right now. But that step back is temporary. The general course of human progress is to be more capable of meeting our basic human needs. And so we get to go up that pyramid of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? The more efficient we get it, you know, making sure that we have air, and water, and food, and shelter, and clothing, and blah, 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 the more we can focus on the tip of the pyramid, self-actualization, being that fully self-empowered human being. Now, I can tell you in my life what this means about weakness. I have lacked confidence in many ways, and I've, I've projected in, in ways that people would never know, never guess, like I'm, I'm really good at hiding, or have been, in, in the, you know, couple decades of my adult life of looking confident, of uh, avoiding situations where 
my lack of confidence is relevant. And what that's led me to is, is a lot of uh, exploitive relationships where I get taken advantage of. And I've been able to turn this on its head recently by simply not being afraid, not being afraid to, to, to speak my truth, not being afraid of my own instincts, not being afraid to call things like I see it. And it's very important to me personally to have gone through this. And I know this sounds like a big aside, but I hope you'll see where I'm going with this in making the bigger point about facing weaknesses. Because I could acknowledge, hey, I've had these patterns of relationship issues in my history. And I could acknowledge, well, it must be something about my childhood that's leading me to a certain frame of mind. But I had the pathological diagnosis attitude. Well, Adam, there's something wrong with you. If you just talk it out, or if you go to therapy enough, if you heal enough, and it's like, there's nothing broken with any of us for being imperfect, for being weak, for not having grown up entirely in all the ways that we could and should have. But that pathological attitude as opposed to the, like, let's focus on mental health and strengthening and growing up and empowering leads to the indulgence of that fear of that weakness. Your therapist will tell you, oh, no, 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 it's okay. We can just talk it out. You can just keep coming and giving me $200 an hour. And I'll just, I'll, oh, yeah, I'll let you talk and work things out on your own time. Fuck that. Fuck. So many Americans, people around the world even, are trapped in their pathologies by therapists who have the wrong framework for looking at mental health because they themselves don't really want you to be cured. They want you to stay in that weakness. And people around you, you'll find in your relationships, when you let yourself be trapped in those relationships, will end up taking advantage of you as well. Now, this is supposed to be a politic, uh, political conversation tonight, right? We have some incredible guests we'll get to in a minute. I'll tell you why this subject that I'm bringing up as an open monologue of facing your weaknesses is actually so critically important to the subjects of transparency in politics and society that we're gonna be talking about. I think it was important, I hope you'll agree, to establish the individual psychological dynamics of fear of facing weakness and the significance in acknowledging weakness and saying, I wanna strengthen that. Because as long as you deny weakness as a weakness, as long as you hide things from yourselves, from others, from society, you can't really get to that strengthening that is important. It makes the whole thought process worthwhile in the first place. So in the biggest institutional sense, the lack of transparency that we see in governments and the pathology of the propaganda. Now, we're broadcasting in some places where uh, since it's tonight is the last episode of Adam versus the Man in this format. We are broadcasting on, on the old YouTube channel. No, we're not. Well, we'll, we'll we add it. We're broadcasting on Denver Metro. On we are. Oh, oh, that's it. That's right. And Our guest. So, so for Denver Metro audits, I hope this is an appropriate opening subject to our podcast tonight. Uh, we are. I've, I've been advised by my handlers tonight we're playing by YouTube censorship rules. So I'll stay away from mentioning that virus which shall not be named. That world war, is it, I, which shall not be numbered, which is unfolding before us, or, or anything controversial about those specifics that could rub the YouTube censors the wrong way. So we're going to keep it on this, this bigger subject, right? 
of transparency. And our guest, Denver Metro Audits, is, is such an incredible, powerful example of this in his work and his activism. Uh, our second guest tonight is Jay, Jay Nygaard, uh, who has something to say about lack of transparency and dishonesty in the Mises Caucus. But to zoom out, again, back to the bigger picture, I don't care to over-anthropomorphize governments or societies or cultures or civilizations or any of these other collectives. Uh, but the same dynamics about facing weaknesses apply. And let's just say over the last, I don't know, two-ish, two, two years and, and I don't know, two or three months, Shall we say, I, I, I don't know, but maybe, maybe just by random coincidence, I don't know why I'm re referencing that time frame whatsoever. But over the last like two years and three months, so we, yeah. so, something happened. So, something happened. And during that time, time frame. we have experienced a dangerous uptick in the psychological invasiveness of the propaganda programming. They are lying about so much. We know they're lying. The I mean, the, the, the most you know pro-government average American. The average American is not pro-government. <laughs> Excuse me for insulting y'all. Uh, no, but no. The the even the, the, the sort of the the Karen and and Karen and ten personality types, right? The really pro-authoritarian personality types. They know that their the government lies a lot about really important shit, not just little shit. And that's the, that's been the shift. That's been the big shift over the last two years and two or three months. They are not trying to get us to believe the lies. That's not the point. That'd be too easy. <laughs> You can convince the majority of the population to go along with a lie, and then you can start a war. You can you know, do other things that will get you. We'll get you. We'll get critics banned on YouTube for mentioning. So I will mention them, right? If you can convince people, however, that your lies just need to be accepted, then you convince you can convince them of anything. Hmm. You can make them submissive. You can make them frozen in their emotional childishness. You can hide the weaknesses of society from them because they want that. And, you know, when we talk about the trans shit on, on YouTube, yeah, I think that's, that's safe, right? They like the culture war distraction stuff, but that's what it is, right? Look at the culture war distraction. Trans have this many rights or that many. And the libertarian answer is, as a libertarian, I don't fucking care. As a human, I got lots of opinions, right? As a uh, person who sees people suffering from mental health, people being taken advantage of as political footballs, yeah, I'm totally against that. Uh, but at a deeper level, what I'm concerned with is the emasculation of society. They want you to be submissive. They want you to be a good little beta male or with delta gamma whatever whatever that bit the social sexual hierarchy they want you to be a good little cog in the machine they don't want women in their divine feminine role 
valued as baby makers and homemakers. And I'm not pigeonholing anybody into this. I'm a feminist by the actual definition of the word. And actually, I have a, the, my big concession to the to the trans concept is no, your gender's in your head. That your brain, that that what, what you define, that's more important than anything in your body. Fine, cool. But there's clearly a suppression psychologically of assertiveness, and a big part of it is making people accept the lies and go along enthusiastically with the programs dictated by them. It's not enough for us as libertarians to think, oh, we have to speak the truth. We have to stop the lies. We have to, if only the people knew the truth. They fucking know. At least enough. We're not, you know, there, there has been a limit in the success of the libertarian movement, the libertarian party. <laughs> Trust me, we're going to get into that tonight that is, is kind of banging our head against the wall because we've reached all the people who want to figure it out for themselves. We've reached all the people who have the intellectual integrity to say, you know what? I voted Republican and that didn't work. And I voted Democrat and that didn't work. Are there any options? What are the options? What do they stand for and why? And they oh, shit, the Libertarian Party's darn awesome. Yeah, great statement of principles. And that is until they see the performance and the, the effect and the futile, futility of the party itself. And th I, I say this as someone who's a lifetime member since 2004. Obviously, the part of my Wikipedia page is true at the moment. You can look at it and go, yeah, okay, he's proved his chops over, is it 2022, 2007, 15 years. Just hit my 15-year anniversary of full-time activism, Mark, March 19th. I think we forgot to celebrate that. But yeah, that's, I, I've been around enough. I've repented from my statist ways as a Marine Corps combat veteran, committed myself to anti-militarism and counter-recruiting and civil disobedience, uh, active and passive. I mean, I think the most important civil disobedience that I do is living off grid, not paying any more tax. I mean, I don't say I don't pay taxes because that's kind of silly. I mean, I use dollars occasionally, but I don't hold dollars. I got my, ta I mean, I pay a tiny fraction of what, the average American pays into average Oregon American pays in taxes because of how I've legally arranged my financial. I encourage everybody to do the same because if you're if you're sponsoring the system as the average working American with half your labor every year, you're part of the problem. In fact, we could say you are the problem. The people who passively go along, the people who are afraid to face their weaknesses. And so at some level, we have to reach people emotionally. And this is why I think a lot of my videos in the past, as opposed to me ranting in the studio like this, a lot of my videos in the past confronting law enforcement have been so positive and inspiring for people who wanted to challenge the status quo, who wanted to just have to do something to, to, to confront the suffering induced by the state in all its monstrosity. And so for our, our first guest tonight, Denver Metro Audits, who we'll give him a chance to talk about his work, but he does audits in the Denver Metro area. <laughs> like the, the name, and yes, he's got a stage name. Um, and and, and his, his, his way of remaining anonymous in doing so that I that I absolutely respect when you're challenging individuals like this. But yes, he does he does audits. And this goes back. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna wax on this now, Joey. 
so that I don't have to interrupt the interview with it later because I know he's backstage listening. But what I was doing was like before the audit era. I was kind of like a predecessor to that with the way that I would talk to cops and do man on the street videos and, and go, wait, I've, I've, and I never did it intentionally. I never went in. I don't say never. I think there were some times, but I never like went into somewhere where the camera's gone. I'm just going to look around at the camera until someone says something, but just in the course of recording stuff inadvertently first amendment audit. Oh, you want to say, I don't have a right to film here. Let's see if you really know the constitution. Let's see if you really know the law as it applies to me recording right here, Mr. Officer. Cause if you don't, I'm still going to record and embarrass the fuck out of you. And, and I've done that. And uh, DMA, we're going to call them, uh, Denver Metro Audits. I'd like to take credit <laughs> for being at least a small part of the inspiration for him and so many others that now clearly identify as an audit movement. Because that's the transparency that society needs as, as, as even a, a preliminary a requirement to face the weaknesses to go like, yeah, this is, these are the assholes you have trusted with power in America and power over you fucking stop it. Cause it's ruined for the rest of us. Uh, it's not ruined because I found a way to escape it for, but for the rest of the people in that Metro area and all the fucked up Metro areas of America, that kind of transparency is absolutely critical. Oh, we got a comment here. I know Joey wants to interrupt with this. Denver Metro audits. Adam is speaking the truth here. Inadvertent audits. Well, thank you. Thank you. Make uh, your and again, an audit. I'm really excited for this opportunity. This little cross production with Denver Metro audits. So thank you to everybody who's watching on his YouTube channel. Uh, we're going to get into it with him. The significance of this work, but I'm trying to put it now first in this bigger context and why it's important. Now, our second guest, Jay Nygaard, talking about his experience with the Libertarian Party Mises Caucus and the corruption in the LP, it's a matter of transparency. It's a matter of not just, I shouldn't say that, excuse me. It's, it, it's a matter of enforcing standards, enforcing boundaries. In the case of the Mises Caucus, it's really about integrity. There has been a clear pattern of lies, deception, manipulation, avoidance, gaslighting, that, that I've experienced over the last, over the course of the entire history of the Mises Caucus, essentially. And uh, I've got a few interviews scheduled for the next few days where I'm going to be able to use other people's platforms to get into this thoroughly, because in a way, I don't really care, right? People want me to like learn all the details about this guy and that guy. I'm just like, he lied, he lied, he lied. He's being manipulative. He's being deceptive. None of them should have a role in the party. Get the fuck out of here. And if, and if you know, if, if there are enough people in the party that don't want to hear that, that don't like, I have the screenshots, I have the recordings, like we have the evidence. It's all there. If you want to take the side of liars and people who, for, I mean, the only explanation of the Mises caucus is that they're here to sabotage the Libertarian Party. There, came out and said it. He said it. But I get, I don't, do I want to explain? Well, we'll get into it with Jay. We'll see how much Jay wants to get into it uh, when we get him on. Uh, about an hour and a half into the show. So, is the Libertarian Party weak because of the Mises Caucus? No, it's completely fucked and ineffective right now because of the Mises Caucus. What is the weakness, though, that we need to face? And this is what I want to talk to Jay about in turning this to a positive conversation. How do we prevent 
this kind of manipulation? How do we prevent this kind of uh, infiltration of the party, this kind of sabotage? Um, and now to be clear about when I say the Mises caucus, the pattern of dishonesty, I'm talking mostly about the leadership and it's not just national. There are a lot of state, excuse me, state organizers that have done this. But I would say about like 80% of the people who identify as Mises caucus is like casual supporters. I right? just show up and vote with them because they're the Ron Paul people in the LP and Nick Sarwark's the evil leftist. And, and he's an evil, whatever, for, yes, lots of other reasons. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, anyway, defending Nick Sarwark. Different All these people episode. are assholes. Yeah, no, we've, we've covered this. <laughs> it's more than enough. Um, but yeah, like I just, I, it, within the party, if, if I have to sacrifice, I don't know. I don't, I don't really sacrifice anything. I'm just facing an army of trolls and, and bots and uh, silliness on, on Twitter because I, I poked the, the beehive and I'm getting, but you know what? Uh, one of some of, some of them uh, seem to have been triggered by this music. Hasn't the Libertarian Party been a joke for a long time? No, no, it's been, it's been, it's been the victim of sabotage, sabotage. It's kind of a matter of perspective. It's been a joke. No, I think it's been a very serious effort by a lot of legitimate, very caring people who uh, simply aren't a force stands a chance against even a handful of paid professional operatives hell bent on making the party ineffective. Um, Well said. I've cited COINTELPRO, like the FBI program from the 60s and 70s, talking about this. Like, oh, of course, there's got to be some modern version of sabotage, but it's not the FBI. And this is really critical. I don't think it's the FBI doing this shit anymore because they don't have to. Their techniques have evolved in the political sabotage that I'm talking about. If, if you think of all of the people who have an interest in the Libertarian Party failing, right, why would they send the FBI. I mean, they're so clumsy and they shoot dogs they're as much stupid. as regular cops. They couldn't pull right? this off. So no, no, who they, but, but it's also, it's too much of a liability for them because if that gets exposed, that's a big deal. What are they going to do this time? They're going to have some low level old party Democrat Republican operative funnel money, make a few phone calls, keep an eye on the effort. And that's all it takes. And that's, that's really embarrassing. That's, that's the weakness of the party and the movement that we don't set the standard for integrity. Like I've said some stupid shit. Uh, about other oh, activists, other people in the party, I, because I've been lied to and I went off half cocked. But you know what? I took responsibility for it. I've always acted with integrity, and everybody around me, I've always heard them out. And I can tell now in the response with all this Mises caucus nonsense that these are emotional children representing the caucus, at least in the leadership, on the social media accounts, on the Twitter troll storm, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and, you know, ultimately, I just I feel sorry for them. And I hope that I can be the voice of transparency at this point and and pointing out the dishonesty. And by the way, big bombshell coming as soon as we figure yeah. out the pieces. Wow. I, man, it, it's the thing boom. right right now. See, Joey, the Joey, no, 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 we're all this, we're all this. Uh, follow our Telegram channel, t.me slash versus man, because we are going sort of offline from this regular production, but I will be consistently on Twitter and Telegram sharing content and, and announcements and things like that and everything we've got uh, getting ready for Reno. But um, a lot of people were fairly critical of me for being a bit of a butthead to Scott Horton in uh, in my conversation with him on uh, on Twitter direct messages. I think you need to tell people who and Scott open it up. Is. Scott, have- Scott Horton, antiwar.com, uh, Mises Caucus cheerleader. And uh, he reached out to me and 
I called him out for the intellectual dishonesty he was displaying and he blew me off. I said, all right, well then I'm going to use this. I'm going to use this conversation, Scott. I'm going to post it publicly to expose what you, you standing with liars and being unable to face your weaknesses. I didn't, I didn't say it all that well. I'm connecting it to the monologue here, obviously. And this is me learning to trust my instincts because we, the bombshell is we got some, I would say a heavyweight public personality in the LP mm-hmm. has reached out to me privately about their experience with Scott Horton. And I go, oh, yeah, my Sounds suspicions right. were correct. <laughs> uh, so that bomb will be dropping Twitter, Telegram sometime in the next uh, in the next few days, hopefully. And I hope that Everybody can see if we can bring this back to the person I started with all my strengths I owe to being willing to face my weaknesses. Can America as a collective, as a society face the weaknesses presented by government so brilliantly exposed by the audit movement and people like our guest DMA Denver Metro audits can the libertarian party face up to what's happened with the Mises caucus face up to the weakness that that represents that if we don't have this awareness, if we don't have standards for integrity in party membership, party leadership, that we're, we're extremely vulnerable to takeover manipulation, sabotage And will Jay Nygaard's story perhaps help us untangle a little bit more of this knot? You personally, I feel thought exercise enough you to perhaps be effective for standing and face your own weaknesses in order to build up your strength. And with that, today is April 6, 2022. We're just five days out of April Fool's. April Fool's Fest, we didn't even notice. I think all of the April Fool's this year were, no, um, there's nothing we could say that would compare to the fucking reality we're living through right now. So April Fool's is canceled. Uh, (laughs) Let's get Jim up here and Joey on screen. We're going to run through uh, a couple announcements, producer notes. And thank you, Jim, for joining us tonight. Producer Jim in studio. I'm sorry, not in studio. In, in his remote studio in Phoenix. Joey with us here in the uh, the Baloo cabin in Gardenia. We have some Gardenia announcements. But first, let's smoke weed every day, shall we? Every day. opening monologue and everybody goes oh we get to we get to smoke weed now okay <laughs> we get to smoke weed today gotta take that hit it's good for you smoke the cannabis every single day i'm excited now, about today's Adam show so that thoughts and then we medicate together <laughs> exactly that's the uh, way to go on youtube says she's been smoking the same weed for two weeks it has to smoke a lot more to get high and uh Take a break. Take I, a you break. know what I found though? I because I've been this last no shame. 
like year living with GI Mary Jane. I've, I've kind of upped my baseline a little bit myself, but I've upped my high, I've upped my, <laughs> my, my medication, my adjustment. But what I've found, cause I used to take very careful, deliberate breaks to, to sort of recalibrate my tolerance uh, to appreciate it more. What I've found now is that like Joey will do, cause, cause your Crohn's is so much better. You just like sleep in and get up and be motivated and get you done. And then like mid afternoon be like, Oh yeah, fuck. I, I forgot to smoke weed today. What the hell? <laughs> what the hell? And, and I found that like, even one day, like fasting, like, like I'm doing vegan one meal a day, like a 24 hour fast on cannabis is enough to get most of the reset benefits. So if you're Angel, dependent, do what you gotta do. Try it. Angel is a he, I'm sorry. Uh, Oops. Angel the dude. See, dude can be he or she to me. So I'm going to assume that dude in this context means male, but I'm so confused Even dude. pronouns. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. All right, Jim. Everybody's dude now. Jim, do the producer notes. Joey's going to take another hit. Okay, dude. Uh, I'm going to be real quick on the uh, producer notes because I'm so excited about today's show. I love Denver Metro Audits. Can't wait to get to that one. T.me forward slash Adam versus man. That's how you can uh, support the show, follow the show, anything that has anything to do with the show. It's free. Everybody joins it. We're trying to pile it up to uh, what's the earth up to now? Seven point something billion. That's how many people we want on that channel. So get your butt there. T.me forward slash Adam versus man. If you want to support the show financially, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash Adam versus man. We got one, five, ten even a $50 a month package uh, get yourself there to financially support and see what perks you get uh, join the private producers club which gets a link every day so you can join us backstage like uh, our guests are back right now and watch the show from backstage that's pretty fun see all the different comments from all the different places we're streaming to it's a good time if you want to be a part of it patreon.com forward slash Adam versus the man let's get ourselves some some audits <laughs> hold on before we get to that uh, I hope you've got his, his channel pulled up and everything for uh, for clips you might want to share. A um, couple updates for Gardenia here. We had a litter of kittens. Yes, and uh, four healthy baby kittens born uh, Monday night this week. Yeah, just, yeah. Tuesday morning. No, yeah, Monday night. Monday night, Tuesday Monday night. Monday night. We, woke, we woke up to kittens Tuesday morning. Christmas comes whenever we, well, all sorts, all year-round here in Gardenia. Um, we also had a play today with one of our rescue puppies, Luna, and so it was really cool to see. Like, I don't want to disturb them because they're being so they're quiet so and well-behaved. Right, right now. We, we'll bring them up to smoke weed again at the end of the show. Uh, but Dank and Magic had a little play date with their sister reunited with Luna. Um, I feel like we've got some other updates for Gardenia that I wanted to do that I'm forgetting now. Um, uh, lots of good stuff happening here. We've got a couple of people moving in. Yeah. Um, and I want one of the things I want to tell people, like, I, I'm excited <laughs> in particular, because obviously with, with Ed Vallejo in jail and or federal prison and still facing charges around January 6th, we lost the you know, heart and soul, the engine of, of Homefront Battle Buddies, really. Uh, and he was bringing in a lot of people that he was going to be able to help create their own program here. But one of the veterans who is on her way um, to move in here is, is going to be doing her own kind of detox program. Um, and, and I don't want to say any more than that because she might be, she might want to be public here and could be connected Not to this. Our place. Um, we'll just say detox program, but especially for, and, and, you know, this is kind of true for anybody who, you know, I, I think is a good fit for us. 
but veterans especially, if you have issues with cannabis, I mean, definitely it's possible you need detox from cannabis. It can be, That's it's mind altering and it's, it's habit forming. It's psychologically addictive, potentially, not physiologically or physically in any way. But yeah, you might need a detox from cannabis. More often, as with a lot of cases with vets, alcohol. Nothing else, just to you get know, just, high again, right? Yeah, just if you need to come be outside for a month and breathe fresh mountain air and, and camp for a month and do manual labor for a month, whether it's for me or for yourself. Like for if you want, to, you want to make art for therapy <laughs> or time to, to write a book or write an, a, a, you know, your, some essays, you get your thoughts out. Like a big part of what was therapeutic for me when I got out of the military was that expressive art experience. It's definitely part of it here. My point is gardenia, the property, the homestead, and especially through the nonprofit for veterans home front battle buddies, it is available for people who want to use it for personal growth, for healing. If you've got that, and, and I'm willing to, to, I mean, Joey and I, in the ways that we can, and with, with absolute humility and the limits of our abilities, we're happy to be coaches. I think I'm a great personal trainer and health coach because I'm extremely healthy and fit myself. And I've studied and coached through enough of it with other people to be able to adapt. It's not just, I know what works for me, or I've been coached, like, I think I can, I can help people with that component of it. I I'm, I'm a good listener, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm not pretending to be a therapist. Uh, I I'm not pretending to be anything more than that. I can't You're prescribe shit. Um, but I'll be your battle buddy, right? Home from battle buddies. And, and Joey, to the extent that she can here as part of the, the program and hospitality is, uh, happy to be a part of that too. Uh, Senga. Hoorah. All right. So Jim, last part of this before we get, uh, DMA up here. Put up uh, my email, please. Adam at thefreedomline.com. I check it myself. Um, I probably shouldn't say that because that invites trolling, doesn't it? Um, but no, I check, I check it myself uh, almost every day. And uh, that's that's really just the sort of primary uh, email for business for, for everything we're doing. If you want to reach Joey directly, of course, we've got Joey, J-O-I-E at thefreedomline.com. Dot com. Oh, look at that. It's up. It's up. Who, which one you did that? Did you do that? The producer did that. What are you talking about? <laughs> all, right, all, right, all right. It does. All right. With Come that. Um, oh, wait, wait, wait. We've got a, uh, a vet. Oh, another veteran. Another I'm veteran. loyal. Are you as a vet? Weed saved my life. Helps the nightmares a bit better. Proves example I got from VA. Actually, I got from VA. Better. A bit better proves. I, I think better, he means like chills, but better than the stuff you get from the VA. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That correctly, yeah. Which is yeah. No, thank you for sharing. Yeah. Story. So yeah. Thank yeah. you for sharing. And I don't know how relevant this is for the nonprofit, but I, I mean, if every veteran in America just had like, hey, you got a free week long vacation to go stay at a cabin in the woods and get as stoned as you want and experiment with cannabis how you want, fuck, that would be a game changer. And 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 that's a big part of what we want to provide here as well. So. Um, weed is so safe and common and easy though. Most people can figure it out on their own. They don't need, but for other stuff, for psychedelics, for more intense therapy drugs, MDMA, ketamine, et cetera, et cetera. Cigarettes. Uh, what? Even cigarettes. No, yeah, no, we're not about good cigarettes. stuff that we want to help people with. <laughs> well, hey, let's no, take I'm saying if they want to quit smoking cigarettes and go to your property to do so. Yes. Yes. No, but for, for psychedelics, we want to provide a safe environment for people to experiment with that. But shout out to the Garden of Eden because Quinn Anchor was here for our party a few weeks ago. Oh, Joey's got it. 
and gave us a five pound bag of their raw organic tobacco. And I had completely, you. I had actually, Joey knows this. I completely quit tobacco for like the last year, except for, I should say, except for like so, maybe one cigar a week. Full and of tobacco. Yeah. Legitimate. If you're not smoking something like this, you're just poising yourself unnecessarily. There is a healthy, legitimate, wholesome way Talk to do nicotine, to do tobacco See in a stems, uh, reasonably healthy way. So yeah, I've been enjoying that. And uh, if anything, like now I'm so grateful that and, like I almost want to ban any any uh, manufactured cigarettes in Gardenia. Oh, like, they, no, like we no, have this. We have, yeah. you can't do that. My On my private property, visit. you my can't pollute. And, I don't want you to pollute the air with fucking formaldehyde. <laughs> whatever you want. Awesome property. But no, I will give you free better tobacco while you're here and help you get off the addiction to those really fucked wait, up wait, That's not what I wanted. Anthony Vigil, <laughs> clean tobacco, Mr. Vigil. It's what, uh, you know, it's what our grandparents smoked and didn't get all sorts of weird cancer. All right. Stuff. All right. With that, let's get to our guests, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, get rid of these two clowns. We'll keep the uh, we'll keep the comments flowing. Joey will be watching. Excuse us for getting to our guests a little bit late. Ladies and gentlemen, our first guest tonight is DMA, as we'll be calling him by his stage name, Denver metro audits and he has built an incredible youtube channel and had an incredible impact with his work as he says holding police and public officials accountable and it's not just the going out with the cameras it's encouraging transparency and actually following through and i know this this is going to sound like a and i, I, I want to get into the significance and, and the backstory on this but uh dma has gotten signs on police stations changed about uh, the no trespassing signs and, and 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 it's all about like yeah you can't record it you can't be here and it's like no no there's there's a right as a member of the public to be here and if I have a right as a member of the public to be here and and of course government puts up signs signs everywhere there's signs and oh no shit government lies with signage too yeah no, no shit and like to me what 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 DMA like demonstrates with just just that like how many times have you seen a sign and been like I wish I could change that. Well, he saw a sign was like, I'm going to put that shit on blast. And we're going to get that changed. That's like a superpower. Like as an activist, like I can just point my camera signs and make words and post shit on the internet and the sign will change. And so uh, a big part of the focus of his activism now is getting the no recording signs removed from all Denver police station lobbies. And it, it, it might sound like, like a minutiae thing, but of all the, it, it's one of those issues that I, I hope as I made clear earlier tonight is, is really a fundamental, deeply psychologically important, pervasive issue, transparency, openness, accountability. And so anything we can do, even on the small scale, and, and it's really about changing minds and attitudes of the people in power because they, I think they want to be held accountable. They want their positions. They want their roles in society to be legitimized and so if they can be scrutinized and survive that scrutiny and become legitimate i think they'd rather do that anyway with that dma welcome to adam versus man is, hey, is, thanks uh, for having me on man it's an honor all right awesome awesome so i mean give us your story from the start in terms of you know what in your life led you to this and getting into this work yeah, so 
you know, like, as you said, you said, you know, I hope that I was at least a small influence in uh, DMA's system and honestly, you're a human. I, uh, like you say, the first that are going to be attracted to the message of liberty aren't going to be the prom king and queens and the valedictorians. It's going to be the misfits and the punks, right? So unfortunately, I had to, you know, go through uh, experiencing government uh, tyranny firsthand to, to realize this. And so um, I was mistreated by the government. And I honestly, I just came across uh, your channel by accident. And I saw that that audit that wasn't really supposed to be an audit at the, the parks police and where you put that that in his place and to this day i still believe it's like one of the audits i've ever seen man and i think it has like a few million views it should have 50 million but uh, so yeah so i i basically i saw that and it just kind of led me into uh to audits and i started watching this stuff and when i saw you do it like shit man there, there's actually someone that talks to police like that because i had never seen anything like that before man because you know i started rice and it was like I was like, wow, when I was a kid, you know, or a young man, uh, I was having my rights violated all the time by police and I didn't know any better. I just thought, oh, the, the cop asked you for your ID, I didn't know, and uh, started realizing, you know, learning my rights and the fact that, you know, we do have rights in this country. And um, if you don't use them, you lose them. It's like a muscle, right? So I say that, you know, the constitution is great but you know we have natural rights those are god-given rights that we have it's the constitution can't give us rights they can protect our natural rights uh but the constitution is like a protein shake right you can't just drink protein shakes mm. and get buff you have to exercise and that's the same thing with your rights is you have to exercise to exercise your rights to actually have them so uh yeah, so that's pretty much my backstory uh of how i got started on this whole thing and uh I just decided one day to to pick up a camera and and get out there and do it and and so here we are today. Well, tell us about those first experiences because I know for myself that those challenges, those first one like this is it's it's kind of an experimental art form because you're trying to make a point, you're trying and what what you and I are doing and I think this gets to the the, the sort of theme of tonight's show of willingness to face weakness is that what we, what you and I do in, in this realm of trying to reach people is, is, in, is not just, the, it's not informative. We're not trying to like shove data down people's heads. You know, we're, 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 we're trying to cause an emotional response, right? We're trying to trigger an emotional response in someone like a sense of injustice or outrage, or at least awareness and, and gratitude for the awareness that we're sharing of, how things work and as we go we're exploring the medium we're, we're how, what happens when i tell a cop this what happens when i tell a cop this and it's never the same twice so it's not like it's a you know the same blank canvas every time so i that what i want to like when i say like you know what did what were your first experiences and and how did you get started i i also want you to tell us like how if you can you feel like you you i I don't call activists artists very often, but you know, an, an auditor after my own heart. It's an art uh, yeah, form. no. So, it so <laughs> in developing your your sense as an artist, tell us about your early experiences, please. Yeah. So you know, when I first started doing this, 
I, I pretty much just learned as much as I could from watching audits, you know, watching you and, and watch auditors. And I just went out there and, uh, it's, it's a learning experience as I go. It's definitely, you know, about you know, everyone has a different personality and there are stops that are, I don't say they're in, in their house and stuff like Nicole, right. And and you're going to evoke a different emotion in each individual and you can kind of tell the ones that are going to be tyrants right out the gate as they, they come in all authoritarian trying to you know they're used to just telling people what to do and they just bow down to them um, but when you get somebody who is questioning authority um, then they kind of don't know how to to handle it right and and you know like they this is the questioning authority is the most American thing that you can do that's what Drew was founded on was questioning authority so, um, so yeah, you know, um, the, the police officers there, there's really not such thing as, as a good cop, uh, because of the fact that they are required to enforce unconstitutional laws for one, for so many of them, and for two immoral laws, right. That just require violence on peaceful people. So, you know, people are saying, well, we need good cops out there. And, uh, there, there's no such thing as a good cop, guys. There's so many immoral laws that, you know, it's not just, you know, arresting the guy because he has a, in possession of a plant. It's, it's you know, sitting at the bottom of the hill with your radar gun, just <laughs> stealing money from people and just get home from work. So, um, yeah. you know, I guess uh, trying to – what I try to do also is get the police officers to about it, right, because uh, – if we can get the police to to question what they're actually doing, that's where we can affect change, right? So, um, I try to remain calm and 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 be educational. I try to be as least confrontational as I can because then you're just doing this and, and you're not getting anywhere with the police. Um, so, I will get that way if I have to. You know, I'll calibrate it. But um, yeah, that's the most important thing I think is is to educate. Because my channel is about education, but it's also about entertainment too. It's both, and so I want to to educate the viewers, but I'll educate the police, you know, just like you do. And and you're uh, you you challenge people, police, and you're really good at doing that. So that's that's pretty much what I'm is challenge these police officers' beliefs to to see if what they're doing is moral. Yeah, that's a big part of what I'm talking about, and like feeling out every case and sort of learning the medium because in a way what we're doing is you know street theater we're creating theater we are we as producers as auditors going out with a camera and one character with an improv script in his head we are recruiting these other people the officers generally or government officials security guards whoever to or bureaucrats in some cases right to be to be characters in the production and you, you kind of have to uh, to manage that and and make an example that's a positive, inspiring, learning one. And in that sense, I'm for all of my videos, even like when I do Man on the Street and I'm talking to someone about political stuff, just trying to make them sound stupid with their like either you're going to admit that there's a contradiction in your thoughts or I'm going to poke at it and make you feel stupid. You know, that's kind of one of the techniques that I've that, I, that I've seen you use as well, <laughs> cops of. You know, I, I'm I'm going to expose your contradiction, and I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna hammer on that until you either reveal that you're an authoritarian asshole, and, and you do something stupid and illegal on camera, 
or you're going to back off and look scared and look like an asshole, or you're going to engage in a conversation with me and you're at least going to have some shifting in awareness. But even then you're not the point. The audience is the point. And I know a lot of cops have seen my videos. And I think that like shift that happened with George Floyd is what got that to sink in. Oh, we could be recorded by someone with footage that we don't control anytime we're on the job in public. And what, what you're doing, what the audit movement is doing mm -hmm. is maintaining that pressure. And it's not just everything that we talk about that you and I can appreciate in this existential political sense. It's literally saving lives, making cops on, in America on the beat more self-conscious. Even if your effect is just Denver Metro, you are literally saving lives in a way that no one will ever really properly thank you for or appreciate. But I'm, I'm glad that you're doing it so that I don't have to anymore. So on that note, what is your favorite shift that you've seen someone go through in one of your videos? Uh, well, I guess when you're talking about the the sign that we changed, uh, which they had a, just a generic sign up there that said uh, only and the it was to the uh, the parking lot of the Sheridan Police Department and um, you know, there was no restricted area, there's no gate and no official signage. There was no uh, shared code or a CRS uh, posted up there. So, and also the, the fire department, which is attached to it, is completely open to the public. And there's, an, you can go from that area straight station. So it's completely not restricted or, or fenced off or anything. Lieutenant, Lieutenant came uh, with Sergeant, uh, can't remember his name, but the Sergeant was a bit of a tyrant, but the Lieutenant was okay. And he came out, they tried to give directives that we can't be back here because I don't want people messing with the cars and stuff like that. And I assured him, hey, we're not messing with the cars. Um, and he's like, okay, you guys just stay on the sidewalk. And I said, oh, I'm gonna come back here. And I kept coming back there. And uh, initially the Sergeant was getting you know, pretty aggressive. Like he was gonna put hands on me and, uh, you know, we're telling them, hey, we have a right to be here. You can't kick us out of here. There's no one that says we can't be here. If, if it's against the law for us to be here, you have to have it posted. And um, we just held our ground, uh, me in a hole, and we went back there. And uh, and eventually asked him, I said, well, are we going to be arrested? And uh, the lieutenant said, no, you're not going to be arrested. Well, uh, so I said, okay, well, we're going to stay back here. He said, well, you'll be cited. <laughs> I said, what are you going to cite me with? Uh, and the, the sergeant said, uh, trespassing. I said, well, to trespass from public property, I have to commit a crime first. So it's not a crime for me to be back here. You can't trespass from public property. And uh, the lieutenant, he just said, come on, let's go. And they kind of just walked out of there. And uh, I think that the lieutenant was even questioning the validity of the uh, – he had the opportunity to write me a ticket or arrest me, and he chose not to. So I mm. at least do respect him for that. And uh, within – I don't know how long it took, but uh, one of my friends, our, our auditor friends, Regan, went over there for a different – uh, related incident and she noticed the signage was there so they put uh, a uh, Sheridan municipal code um, with a wooden so it's the official signage there so um, I appreciate what he did I think that I'm and that you know maybe we should have the correct signage up so he chose not to arrest at time and and uh, put the correct signage up so that was a good win for us in in changing the thought process of uh, Lieutenant Mitchell there yeah, I want to point out for people who aren't familiar with this kind of work, there's a lot of 
the more sensational versions of what we've done that are confrontational and super embarrassing for a specific cop or group of cops. And those are fun, but they're not the really deep, meaningful ones. You know, it's when you reach a guy and you talk him down, you know, those are the ones that count. I, I think so much more. And like, for me, you know, the, the would be bully gets cokish where I talk to the guy in the bar down from a fight with nonviolent communication. Show your kids that. <laughs> that Thank you, Joey. <laughs> would be bully gets cokish nonviolent communication in action. It's been censored on YouTube and put back on YouTube. And if you just Google that, you'll find it on a few other platforms. If it's not on YouTube at the moment. Um, but those, those shifts, man, like, the ones that make you go, ah, this guy's going to be cool. You know, to brag for a second, like, I think I've incorporated enough of this over the years. Like I've got that sort of Jedi mind trick down this last weekend. Here's the other big announcement we forgot. I talked my way out of a DUI. Like, and, and I don't think I would have gotten one. the cop but an like, asshole I said, <laughs> No, I said, if you want to be a pain in the ass, oh, I'm not going to resist, but. You know, like he asked me to take a field sobriety test. This, this is a long, maybe we'll tell a story when DMA's off. But, you know, like it, it, when you can reach people that like, really, do you want to be an asshole or do you want to be a nice guy? And they go, God damn it, you're right. I want to be a nice guy. <laughs> like, yes. But, and then you think, and this is this, I go like, you know what? I just conditioned this cop to, to dial it down a notch. The more times that cops go, Oh, citizen was right. I should chill out. <laughs> They're, it's reinforcing. I feel like we're training dogs. It's like you're reinforcing that behavior and and being willing to. And 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 I hope if I have one request that I'd like to see in your work, DMA, it's it's the follow up conversations of the thank yous and the positive appreciativeness. That's like, you know what? I'm I'm going to forget for a moment that you've been a bad dog. I mean, you've been an asshole cop in the past. You know, you're being good now. You're being a good bureaucrat. You're being accountable. You're being a human being now. I love you and I want to connect with you on that and I want to appreciate you for that. I, you know, I I, I think you're in a great position and and some of the the arcs of what you're doing, specifically with you know the no recording signs to to start making those videos and maybe they're not as sensational. Maybe they don't get as many views. I don't really know how YouTube algorithms work anymore. I'm glad that I don't. But anyway, enough of me, Rand. I want to get back to you, DMA, for, for a couple more things while we've got you. At least first, I want you to tell us what your formula is in a way that someone who's considering getting into doing audits might take as a, a sort of basic how-to. I think that the, the first thing you need to do is really know your laws, whatever the laws are in your state. Um, and what I do is I actually looked up all the laws as far as reasonable suspicion, um, as far as right to record, whatever laws those may be. You can use you know, uh, case law, CATS v. US. Um, but make sure you have those and memorize them. I actually write them down and I write down the CRS statute, uh, the parts that are applicable in the statute and I carry them with me just in case I need them. Because if, when you're going out there and you're just saying, well, we have the right to do this, you know, it doesn't sound as effective as you can say, you know, uh, CRS 16-3-311, which allows us to record any peace officer and to maintain control of that ring and the device used to record the ring. So much better, so we have the right to do this, you know? So just recently, um, 
we were, I think it was just the other day, we were out recording and uh, we were in a public library. I don't even know if I'm going to publish this video, but uh, the director came and was telling us, hey, you know, I know you guys have a right to record, but can you just make sure that you uh, don't record any of the patrons or any of the stuff that they're working on because they have a right to privacy? And uh, I said, well, he said, uh, oh, really, you do? Sometimes I play dumb. I'm like, oh, really? They do? I didn't know that. And he said, yeah, they do. And so um, he wanted to get my information. I said I wasn't going to give him the information. And I said, you know, uh, he look at uh, the law because he was from Massachusetts. He wasn't sure about the laws here in Colorado, but they but they do have privacy. And he was going to go check on that and say, hey, you know, I can save you some time living and we absolutely have a right to record anything we can see in here. And my goal is not to antagonize your patrons or stick my camera in their face or bother them while they're trying to study. But we do have a right to record anything that we can see. Caskey US, there's no expectation of privacy in public. So I encourage you to do your due diligence, uh, but I guarantee you that we have a right to do this. And so he went back into the office and he came back five minutes later and and uh he was started bringing up the fact. Well, th this uh, this high, uh, library is associated with the high school, so I don't know if the the, the juveniles have, have any protection. And I said, well, hey, you know, I go to record my nephew's sports games all the time, and I don't have their permission. So, uh, so you know, they're in public, and as soon as a juvenile, they're getting recorded dash cams and girls just like everyone else is so at the end he said hey you know what uh i think that you know you're right i'm going to talk to my my higher ups on this so that i don't end up uh putting myself in a blender again <laughs> and i was like okay that's cool so that was another uh example of somebody that that humbled themselves and yes. understood that you know we knew what we were talking about so i think that's the most important thing is to just understand uh your laws and and be uh very well educated on the laws in your state and go in with confidence when you go in if you're uncomfortable being right there next to the police officers you know stand at a distance that's comfortable for you others i know we got a little leg here but you're you're skipping a step sir tell us about choosing targets i know a lot of it is i'm just going around my business i see someone who might be an authoritarian prick i'm going to have my camera up and see if it causes a response right but there's a little more to it than that no Uh, sorry, what was, you, what was your question again? How do you choose your targets? Is Because I know at some level, it's, I just, I, I carry my phone with me. And then when I see someone who might be a, a dick about recording, I'll just start recording and see what happens. I, I, is, is that it? Or is there more to it than that in, in choosing your targets? Actually, we don't do that because we can't have, uh, uh, police scanners here in Denver. We don't want to, to government buildings, and it's funded by tax dollars. So we'll go to libraries, courthouses, um, apartments, um, anything that is government funded, and we'll go in there and record. And uh, you know, sometimes it's not always bad. Sometimes we get good reaction, and people are cool and respect our rights, and and we like to highlight those people. We don't want to make them look bad, and we don't make anyone look bad. They make themselves look bad, but we just hold a yep. camera. Yeah, so that's what we do. And we do do cop watching and stuff downtown because there's going to be a lot of cops out or like Friday and Saturday nights. But uh, mainly that's where we choose our, our, our audits is just going in any, any publicly funded building. And I know some auditors, they'll, they'll uh, record private businesses like from the public side, which is lawful, but we don't like doing that because you know, we just like to, we don't want to hold the set accountable. Right? We want to hold government officials accountable. So that's what we nope. do.
Well, so the next part of your methodology I want to know about uh, is is then you mentioned uh, playing dumb sometimes about the law. Like, well, what is the law you're citing? And then they go, well, I don't really know. Well, you know, how about this law? Right. That That's a great technique. Um, I would say using nonviolent communication and Socratic dialogue, you know, and I could, I could rant about those for hours, but like, what, what, are, what do you think? And I know this might be challenging for you because I did this stuff for years before anybody asked me questions like this. It was all just kind of instinctive. I was like, Oh yeah, what am I doing? You know, but like, what do you, what techniques, what methodology do you have then? What, what else? Cause you, you did talk about playing dumb. You talked about citing the law and that was great. By the way, about citing the law, I'm glad I asked you because, I wouldn't have included that in my answer. I would have been like, First Amendment Constitution, bitch. And like, keep it really simplistic. But yeah, when, when you do, for, for, for watching, especially for DMAs fans, you know that, that, that what he does is, is, is a much more specific and, and sort of intellectually deeper legal challenging. But what, what else can you tell us about your conversational interaction methodology? To be honest with you, I really just let it flow and uh, it just kind of comes out the way it comes out. And when I first started in this, I was really, you know, a little bit more passive. And as I've been doing this, I'm starting to get more assertive and just comfortable uh, doing what I do. And uh, every, to, to each their own and everyone has their own style and everyone brings a little piece of the pie to uh, to the auditing community. So um I, really, it's just you have to find your own style and what works for you. And um, I'd say, you know, the most important thing I think is to say to stay assertive, but stay calm too. Because the thing is, is calm that we more foolish they look. And yes. if you are just going in gung ho, you know, you do that and thing, then it, I think it it hurts your credibility a little bit. And especially if something goes to, you know, a jury, they're going to consider that as well. So again, you know, let them be the asshole. My mom taught me, you know, when someone flips you off, then you just, you just wave at them and smile, you know, that pisses them off even more than flipping them off again, you know? So um, I would say being assertive and, and holding your ground is key. So um, if you're going to do this and you want to get into auditing, which the more people that are doing this, the better. Um, you have to, to be able to be willing to take the arrest because if you do this, it's not, if yeah. you're going to get arrested, it's when, because there, if you do this long enough, it's like driving a car, you know, eventually you're going to get into a car accident. Right. So, um, you have to be able to, to hold your ground and be able to arrest so that you can, you know, keep your credibility, um, as a, as an auditor and holding these people accountable and, and not that we want to get arrested because, you know, if I can opt out of getting arrested, I will, um, because what you're doing, uh, rogue nation at this point, when you're, when you just take the arrest, what you're doing is, is you're basically assuming that government is going to do their job and follow the law. <laughs> right. Uh, and we can't trust yeah. them to do that because we all know that that government is the epitome of do as I say, not as I do. So, no. but I would say, you know, the, the most important thing is, is to serve and, and hold your ground as, as much as possible of comfortable with. Well, that, that's brilliant. And I mean, you hit on so much and all that. I wanted to get through your methodology before all of my comments on this, but you mentioned cop watching. And I think back before I got big on YouTube, when I was just starting on YouTube with the rock veterans against the war, 
covering cops, beating up anti-war protesters. Uh, I had a friend who got trampled by a police force, even uh, you know, making videos about that. And just just living in D.C. That that like and I, when when did I live there? It was like 2000, um, 2007, 2008 time frame. That was at, at that point, the, the cell phone technology was still very fresh. The Internet was still very fresh. The idea of cop watching pre-internet was a really fucking scary proposition. As soon as you have the possibility of multiple cameras, like, and, I, and I, when I started, we weren't even using cell phones. That's so fucking old I am. No, we were using little digital camcorders, you know, and that kind of cop watching. Uh, I think that's that sort of developed into to what was my era of man on the street and confronting law enforcement of sort of maybe more confrontive or more assertive cop watching that then evolved in, in the next phase into auditing. And, and I want to talk about what you said about uh, in, earlier about your experience with a cop who kept saying you couldn't be there and you just kept going back and kept going, well, am I going to get arrested? Keep going back. And that is so critically important. And, and I think this experience for me has been one of self-growth going back to my opening monologue, you know, like that personal side about facing your weaknesses. If you can't talk to cops because you're scared, why? Like, what is it that you're not understanding or what fears that you don't have control of? Because ultimately there's nothing that you can't manage in a risk talking to a cop if you know what you're doing. And knowing the law is important, but even more is having, and, and I want to say it's fearlessness. People mistake it as being brave. I'm sure you have people all the time who say, oh, you're very brave. And I don't think that's true about either one of us. I don't think we're brave. Because I've never heard you, I haven't heard you like talk about it in terms of like fear and courage or, or it's just, I know the law and then I, I, I develop my technique and then I, I know, I know kind of how cops think and work and, and I develop confidence through that experience and through watching other people go through that. And I'm really excited to think what's the next generation going to do. You know, if, if my early days of activism were me learning from people doing cop washing, turning it into my, man on the street, pre-auditing, whatever was in that in that certain phase of, of this activism to what it became a few years ago is very clearly an, an audit movement that is, is distinct. You know, what's the next phase of applying technology to hold people accountable direct one-on-one? -on -one? Because of, of if, if everybody, and, and, and we're not special, DMA and I, we want everybody to have this, to get that mental strength whatever it is for you to be able to do exactly what, what we do, because it shouldn't be special. I, I get that it is. We are trained. We have self-trained and self-educated in a way that is extremely unique, but the core concepts of, of what it means for confidence, everybody should have that in order to be a fully actualized human being. If everybody had that, no one would get away with shit. You know what I mean? Like it just ever in anything, if everybody had that with, without the technology, and giving people that confidence, I think, is, is, is another really important, deep sort of psychological impact of our work. And one of the things you mentioned, you mentioned a library incident. I've seen a few videos recently, I think other auditors, of them going into libraries and be like, I have a right to record here. And people freaking out. Adults, not just the librarians, adults in public libraries going, I have a right to privacy here. And it's like, no, you don't. I, I didn't. Public. I didn't come here to ruin everybody's library experience, 
But I will let you ruin everybody's library experience if you want to take this opportunity to educate yourself. And I will do it on camera and educate the world with it as well. And it sounds petty, and it is. And I, some of the videos I've seen with otters, there are a lot of guys doing it wrong. Everything I've seen from you is is at least, I think, to my standards of nonviolent communication and being cool, calm, and collected and, and, and having intellectual integrity in what you're doing. So I really applaud you for maintaining that standard in your work. There are a lot of people who do it wrong, and and, and nobody's perfect. I'm not perfect. I've, I've crossed that line myself. And honestly, I've seen CJ and a couple. Uh, I've seen, you know, I've seen other people you know, cross those lines. I've seen DMA. You've seen you do a couple of things where I'm like, eh, but that's, that's developing the art. That's part of the art. Right. And I think that that giving you have part of what I, I want to make the point of is in the library scenarios, you have to be willing to embarrass yourself a little bit. You have to be willing to be the turd in the punch bowl. You know, you have to be willing to be the guy that everybody looks at funny at first because you don't care. You know, you, ha you have to have that confidence to not give a fuck what other people think, especially in the moment, because you know that you're making a bigger point. You know that you're doing something better to serve humanity. And and I, I want you to speak to that if you if you can, uh, before we give you a chance to wrap up and anything else you want to say. I mean, shit, run your channel at this point. Right. Um, but any anything else, uh, you know, you want to promote as well. But before that, can you speak to you know, that, that, that what this has done for you psychologically, spiritually, for your confidence and for the rest of your life, what that has meant in building your strength. Yeah. And, you know, when I first started doing this, I went into Belmar library and I know you're talking about libraries where basically the, uh, what happens human beings are just nature, right? If you think about it. Uh, so 90%, 9% of the human existence has been into like 50 to hundred people tribes. So we've only had this population explosion within the last few hundred years. So our brains haven't evolved. They're still like a caveman brain. So, uh, you know, like you say, often it's advantageous for people to just, uh, to submit to the alpha, right? And in today's standards, it's basically the same thing. They submit to the alpha or the government. And what happens is people are followers by nature. So uh, in the library, when the patrons are seeing the employees acting up, putting their hand in front of my camera, saying, you can't record in here, it's going to fall over ops. Well, that just reinforces that behavior. Now all the patrons are against me and it turns into this mob mentality, right? So speaking uh, uh, to what you're saying is, is you know, you, you feel a little bit bad, but you have to just not care that you're disrupting because you're not really disrupting. They're the ones disrupting. But really that just kind of goes away uh, with time. You know, when I first started doing this, I felt pretty nervous that here, you know, recording and people don't want me to be. But now, yeah, I just, I don't care. I could really care less about people think go in there and I have the right to do this. I'm being nonviolent. I'm not individuals um that kind of just comes with time and being more confident and uh so yeah that's pretty much what i got on that <laughs> well it's been awesome to see you evolve in your work and so i mean we're we have you know uh 17 minutes till our, our next guest i mean if you if there's anything you want to do the time is yours sir i want to you want to tell people about what you've got coming up. I know you've got some collaborators in the Denver metro area, right? You've got some other channels that you're putting together with other auditors 
whatever it is you want to promote projects coming up where you're at with the uh, police station lobby signs um floor is yours yeah please Okay. Yeah. So we have the main thing that we're working on, me and Donahole audits right now, is called the Free American Project. And um, our first episode is coming out this Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern. Uh, and we don't want to give away too much of what the show is, is, you know, the format of the show. But I will say that the, the show is highly influenced by you, Adam, and your, your Adam versus the man show. So uh, I do we teach a lot of, of what you teach. And so I actually gave you a shout out in the first episode. So, because we actually have some freedom books, uh, still was giving those away. Um, but that's the main thing that we're trying to promote though, so the, uh, the American project. Um, so head over there and check that out. Um, if you're watching this on Adam's channel, um, and you like Adam's message, then you'll definitely like this as well. And, uh, yeah, so we are still trying to get rid of those unconstitutional, uh laws it's actually a law that says no recording in the denver police station lobby it's uh, i think it's 18-9-117 which actually say about recording basically the chief of police is just using that as an excuse to keep people out it talks about causing a disturbance in the lobby and like no camping or like starting a fire or stuff like that but it doesn't say anything about recording and it actually contradicts crs 3-311, which states that we have a, a right to lawfully record any peace officer, the incident involving a peace officer. So that law needs to go. It's uh, it's unconstitutional for one, and um, it's, it's not even about recording. Go into the lobby and record several times with people, uh, with my crew over here um, in Denver, and they haven't arrested us. We've gone in there several times because they know the validity, the validity of that law, and that they're just using that as an excuse. And so we're still trying to get those taken down. Um, that's another thing that we're working on, and I'm doing that with Regan, Regan Benson. Um, check a lot of with the homeless. K dot the party uh, is involved in that as well. Uh, here and of course donut hole audits uh that's the the denver auditing crew that that uh that we're doing that with so check those guys out and um yeah i think that's pretty much all i got oh man i'm i'm so glad we got to do this and i, I want to say something about one of the comments here because one of your supporters i believe uh what is it that l croft on your channel posted your PayPal, paypal.me slash Denver Metro audits. Everybody, if you've appreciated this interview, get on his YouTube channel. If you understand why I appreciate the significance of his work, throw a few bucks in the tip jar right there, paypal.me slash Denver Metro audits. Um, you know, one of the things that I, I've, I've sort of taken on as a goal recently, um, well, two goals, like, and, and things I want to say to cops is uh, now that I'm 40, what seems to be the problem, young man? Uh, I haven't gotten that yet. I'm I looking, love that because they're so young. They're um, so yeah, young. I, once you real like, and it's just. My, it, my, my dad called them rooks. Rooks. Hey, rooks. Those, listen, <laughs> my, my father was a Baltimore City police officer. So that's how I learned how to audit cops. Yeah. Rooks. Rooks, he called them. As he audited them after as retired. Oh, yeah, right. Just, a, yeah, just for fun. Just yeah. for fun. Yeah. <laughs> well, the other one that. It, there's a line it's this is sort of like the nerd with the comeback he gets to lay on 10 years later right uh i'm sorry officer but 
ignorance of the law is no excuse. No excuse. And, and if you if you get to that before me, CJ, uh, you know, hey, go ahead and use that. That's that's like, please, I want to see someone tell. I want to see everybody telling cops that because they don't know the law. I got to they, say that in Ohio. They, yeah, um, they, man, like I want, I really want to see everybody empowered to do this and and that's what i love about your work and I, and, and more than anything I, I hope people have understood like whether you get into auditing or not you need to watch enough of dma's videos so that you get a sense of how you're supposed to as a fully actualized confident adult with integrity interact with authority trying to push bullshit on you and it is it is so important. Now wait, Jim said you're are you really are you really calling in tonight from a library? That's why there's the library. <laughs> yeah, I had to, man, because uh, I, I yeah, hey. well, it's 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 uh, probably a little bit better than the Wi-Fi at my house, so I had to come over here to the library. All right, all right, man. It's because we we live in that third world country, the uh, United Soviet Socialist States of America. Uh, Man, that is really ironic to say that at this point in time. Anyway, uh, DMA, uh, let's get your YouTube channel up on screen here. Jim's got that, I believe, ready to pull up. Um, how? What, what do you want people to know other, other than subscribe to your YouTube channel? I hope you have some backup way for people to connect with you, right? Yeah, I'm actually uh, on Facebook. I'm on uh, Twitter. I'm on TikTok, which my actually editor start because it got deleted but and i'm also on instagram too so you can check us out there, uh, denver metro audits on all those platforms as well awesome well thank you so much for joining us tonight we're gonna go get these puppies shut up uh and get uh, get a few more announcements and on to our next guest cj i really appreciate it it's it's an honor to get to do this and for all the reasons that i feel like I've, 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 I've left my mark on the world. I have inspired people to take my work to the next level. Um, man, it means, it means a lot. Thank you again. Right on, man. Thanks for having me, bro. Appreciate it. All right. Sorry for the lag on that, everybody. I appreciate it. it was just him hearing me. I wasn't in the in anything else. Um, of course, I also slipped on his stage name a couple of times. And now that he's off listening from backstage. Sorry, bro. Sorry, bro. I know. I know it's not a big deal, uh, but everybody just pretend like you didn't hear that. Don't be a dick. Um, Chris Brewster. Awesome interview slash feed. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. I, it's so cool to see that evolution of activism from my personal perspective and be able to connect it to the impact of the technology on society. Cause that's fundamentally what we're talking about, right? Society being empowered by the accountability of the internet and cell phones and cameras being everywhere, but it takes more than the technology. It takes the humanity, the life blood to be breathed into it, to, to, to give it that color and apply that technology. And I don't, part of my faith in human progress is in the inevitability of that. Mm -hmm. And we get to be a part of it. Like we get to be the ones to go, yes. Like you, you don't have a choice. The technology is coming. It's going to have its impact. Yeah, it's, you're not like, stopping it. You, you you don't have a choice 
on the bigger none of us do we are fucking peons in the bigger game we are all insignificant specks of stardust but we're the ones right now facing these ethical dilemmas facing these challenges for humanity and 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 we get to say yes yes to accountability yes to transparency yes to applying the technology to face our weaknesses with courage increase that openness and that therefore be on the side of human progress that's what you get so speaking of which we're gonna do our little good news block for the week here um starting with the human side of things this is all good news network stuff artificial pancreas is revolutionizing diabetes treatment i never dreamed this would be developed in my lifetime i mean that headline in and of itself that's great man the second the second part of that headline is almost like you go, holy shit, artificial pancreas, diabetes treatment. Like we're, yeah, we're swapping out body parts. We've been doing it for, I mean, yeah, we've been doing it with like tits and noses and cheekbones and lips for a while now. Um, we're gonna, but we're doing it with pancreases. Oh, we've been doing it with hearts for a while. Whole bodies, brains, like we're on the verge of that shit. Um, but artificial pancreas revolutionizing diabetes treatment. To me, that's that's not a that's not the big deal here. Like, yeah, oh fuck, yeah, that's a big deal. Like, that's a big technological marker. But what's significant is the headline saying, and as a patient, I never dreamed this would be developed in my lifetime. You're gonna live a lot longer than you were told if you want. None of us are gonna die of old age unless we choose to take care of your body. And 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 as much as science and technology have already propped, like I I mean, I wouldn't be as fit and healthy as I am. I've got fucking, I got lasers in my eyes years ago to fix my fucked up vision. I practically would, I mean, I've been, I would have been dependent on, I, I was dependent on glasses and contacts before that. And laser eye surgery arrived and I was like, yes, let's do that. Uh, and I'm, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I, I, I'm a positive, enthusiastic transhumanist with a slight, cautionary approach uh it's it's dangerous if we do these things you know don't get a chip put in your brain if government can fuck with you until government doesn't exist or it exists as that threat i'm not going to let a phone company or elon musk uh as much as i'm a fan of his snarkiness and having bought a 10 percent share in twitter just now and you know i'm going to tinker with that yeah i'm not I, I'll, I'll be on the not the cutting edge not the bleeding edge i'll be the second guy to get the implant uh, but for me, for someone who's, who's struggled with a, a weird hearing deficiency, um, mainly because of my exposure to, to cannon fire, it sounds like some pirate shit. No, I mean, artillery, actual cannons, uh, when I was in the Marine Corps, M109 or eight howitzers and, and, and gunfire in general, you know, I, I've got some weird distortive hearing loss. Um, I don't want to get too sidetracked on that, but this next headline, MIT researchers reverse hearing loss by regenerating inner ear hair growth. Yeah. I just want to say thank you to all the uh, women who decided to make their, as, as Daniel Tosh's joke, make their outsides look like their insides fake because that money that has gone into plastic surgery has, you know, at least provided a massive market incentive for this as if, you know, hearing loss wasn't important, but when we've relegated that to the insurance and government controlled healthcare market, they remove the incentives, which is why you saw things that were more market dominated, like boob jobs and laser eye surgeries come down in price and become much more available. I, I, 
I think that was kind of a good necessary economic lead in to the resources going to now the uh, really just slow things down. I'm not going to get into the whole economic, <laughs> but it's cool to see that now our medical research technology is being put to really incredible life enhancing things. And I know Joey's going to appreciate it if I ever get all of my hearing back to full speed. Um, so yeah. Uh, wiggle alert, spare pancreas. Can I eat more chocolate now? So that's tempting. I, you know what? I'm really glad you put that comment up here, Joey, because it's really tempting to say, well, they're going to be able to replace my body. Fuck it. I'll just sit on the couch and eat myself to death and modern medicine will save me and give me an artificial heart. And I've seen people go through that experience. Uh, I've seen family members, I've seen close friends and um, you know, what? just on Twitter yesterday on Twitter. Oh my God. Amazing so blast from the past. No, no, but no, no, no. Amazing blast from the past. Someone tweeted at me. If you remember, I was one of the fatties who got angry when you did a fat shaming post two years ago, but now I can do 20 pull-ups and, or 20 push. I'm doing 30 push-ups every morning and 30 squats. And he obviously bought them body weight squats. He's like, and he said, I'm committed to getting under 300 pounds. I was like, I might've saved that guy's life by making him mad because I don't, I don't give a I, well, and you see, but here's, off. here's the thing. And, and let me stop you there. It's you didn't make him mad. Right. No, but I, there are, if people I get presented angry, the right mirror. people get angry at the truth. Sometimes it's what they need. Yes. To, to, to snap back into it. And me included. She, you have had so many come to Jesus moments with me. That's that's what I like to call them. Come to Jesus moments, Buddha moments, right? Just moments of self-realization that thank you, dear. May suck, but definitely need to be heard and said. So. Did, did anybody really expect that in relationships I'd be any less difficult than I am as an activist? No, I, I hold up the mirror, you know, and, and Joey has been um I think the reason we have had such a calm, like we've had the calmest relationship I've ever been. It's weird. Even more than with my wife. Uh, right. But uh, yeah. Um, so it's because she's so receptive to that. And I don't, and, and, and I don't have to hold back. I don't have to be like, well, I really want to say this important thing that is going to trigger Joey, but it's going to make her grow. She's, she, I mean, she resists. And she will fight and she will I'm be upset and she will argue. But her essential response is, shit, you're right. Thank you for holding up the mirror there, Adam. And 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 she'll stop and think about it. And I there that that's one of the things that's really special about Joey and, and our relationship. Anyway, a few more good news stories. Uh, wind and solar. Actually, this is a pretty good setup for, for our next guest, Jane Nygaard, the turbine guy. I'm, I'm, this, is, this isn't even, I'm not even going to formally introduce him. I don't know. We're going to bring like, I think we might have, Joey, maybe, I don't know if Jim wants to be a part of the conversation with Jay. I know that Joey does. Joey's I, like, I can't hold my tongue about the Mises coffee. I mean, shit. I can. I almost don't uh, uh, I'll be honest. Well, but... then maybe you can help me keep it steered to the bigger picture. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know we've got some Mises caucus people hate watching tonight. I know we've got some Mises caucus people. Um, we're going to be watching this later. We're going to fast forward to this part. You missed my comments. I guess. Am I going to call it the Mises caucus in, in person on, on camera? Or well, you just, just called it the Mises caucus right <laughs> now. So. Uh, yeah. Um, but no, Jay, Jay Nygaard, the turbine guy is going to be joining us. And, and I know this is, 
So th this headline is, is some good news and some bad news. It's wind and solar generated record 10% of the world's power in 2021. That in and of itself is good news and bad news. You go, okay, it's happening. Should be happening a lot faster. Government slowing it down. No shit. The second part of the headline, victory for Paris Agreement. Uh, don't give government credit for shit that the people deserve credit for. Uh, yeah, it's like if government made a, a law ordering people to brush their teeth, then government would take credit for, for everybody brushing their teeth. Uh, so no, the, the the wind and solar is is a product of uh, despite government interventions and distortions of economic incentives, people still seeing the long game and the extra value in sustainable independent energy. That's really cool. So uh, similar head, headline, also goodnewsnetwork.org. Nonprofit hits milestone, protecting more than a million acres of rainforest so far this year, all with public donations. Yes market solution to a government problem you know i'm i'm always going to uh i'm always going to applaud that so next couple of stories uh an airbus jumbo jet just completed two flights powered by cooking oil that's why i eat so much cooking oil joey i want to fly i just want to i want to i want to cook everything in oil that's vegan it's healthy right now i do try to avoid the hydrogenated and, and, and bullshit and eat healthy vegetable oils um, there was another article I skipped that was like someone like eating an avocado twice a week, week reduces your uh, risk of heart disease by 20%. I eat an avocado almost every day. So you eat like guess, three mm. avocados almost every day. I'm, I'm a millennial. I had my avocado toast today. We love Actually, avocado. I, oh, I, today. Can't, I, no, no, I came up with like the awesome vegan avocado toast recipe of sauteed onions with with veggie spread on naan with with avocado slices on top oh my god i want to i want to eat i could if you said adam one thing until the day you die it might be that you gotta eat one thing anyway yeah an airbus jumbo jet just completed two flights powered by cooking oil um that's i, I think my next pickup truck here is going to be, be a diesel and i want to figure out how to convert it to biodiesel and and actually like create generate my own fuel and, if, and i know it's not perfect sustainability but it if if the oil and if, if fuck if gas keeps getting this expensive <laughs> or more expensive holy shit um and we're skipping the clown world segment tonight to just do a good news segment <laughs> we were gonna do this last week like yeah clown world here are the headlines according to drudge report nah look at the good news just look at the good news um i the i acknowledge clown world World War Three, the virus which shall not be named policies, the run runaway rampant censorship on the internet and in, in, in the media narrative overall. You look at the the obscene concentration of I can talk about these things on YouTube, right? The I obscene uh, rich people are getting richer and everybody else is is kind of floundering. Um, well, if you're on a fixed income, you are effectively getting poorer as the purchasing power of your dollars goes down with runaway inflation right now. Um, but yeah, fucking clown world out there. Let's pay attention to the news. I'm sorry, the good news. Gardening dad just broke world record for growing 1,269 tomatoes on a single stem in his tiny greenhouse. And I'm like, there are records to be broken with garden. I need to build my greenhouse. Oh my God. Yeah. Most tomatoes on a single stem that's that's a thing yes and i love if you really want to geek out on this shit with me i'll plug the website go to good goodnewsnetwork.org because there's a picture of this guy laying down like a fucking pimp in the middle of like cardboard boxes full of these little 
beautiful yellow orange cherry tomatoes and he's like just got a beautiful shitty grin on his face like yeah yeah all on one step baby all right last good news story and this is another good one for for jay although we're not going to get to talk like so we're going to talk about all the fun stuff we normally talk about with jay with off-grid living and alternative energy and the turbine guy stuff and his website gogreenenergyonline.com last good news headline ev charging answer it's electric vehicle. Quantum technology will cut time it takes to charge electric vehicle electric cars to just nine seconds. Mm. Yeah. Oh. Now remember what I said, dear. I, I have to say I was wrong because what I predicted was that, that this was the, the, the thing about charging stations right now was so dumb and inefficient. Like, why can't you make it like a gas filling station? Not you pour something in your battery. You just take the swap battery it. out, swap it out. That one sits on the charger, goes to the like, next like vehicle. Like a propane exchange, right? right? Exactly. Yeah. And you know what? I might be wrong in that quantum technology, if it makes it nine seconds, it's going to be quicker than changing out a battery and no one's going to want to risk having somebody else's component in their vehicle, right? So, but if it was, if it was all Teslas or the batteries were standardized, it could go either way. Um, and it still might be, it might be quicker. It might be, I might be right if it plays out that what I'm suggesting of a battery swap is more efficient overall than nine second quantum charging. But shit. the other thing is solar panels on the roof of that, the car. Yeah, I don't like really understand some point, why that's not the first step. I, I think I, it's not enough. And yeah, there's, it's, it's, and, and the weight of the maybe. other equipment is remember you need, you need panels, more cables. They have to be heavier gauge to carry the power from the roof to the batteries. Well, actually to the charge controller and then, and then to the batteries. So I don't know, maybe it's a weight efficiency thing, but yeah, it's they actually, they've done this, Joey. There was, there was a solar powered car contest um, <laughs> and they had to design it so light and efficient. And that, that was kind of the point. So they designed the thing like as a, as an airfoil, like it was like a wing with tiny little wheels. The whole thing was a solar panel and the pilot had to lay on his stomach, the driver you know, had to lay on his stomach you know, to, to, to pilot it. But yeah, it's already been a thing. All right, enough of that. Let's get to the trash talking. And the, the yeah, now Joey's like, all right, let's get me on screen. Um, Jay's there. Yeah, we got Jay. Let's get Jay on screen, ladies and gentlemen. Another comment from Music. Music, that's your channel. Music. Cool. Oh someone God. got someone got music for their tag on oh YouTube. God. That's a valuable piece of internet real estate. The music channel on YouTube. I am here to hear the Mises Caucus mudslinging. All right. Well, you could have been hearing that from them from years, and that's part of the point of the mudslinging is I'm pointing out the dishonesty. I'm pointing out they have lied and misrepresented and sabotaged things over the years. Um, and it's really funny because it's I'm, I'm entering this conversation. Um, because I spent like one day on Twitter talking about it and uh, people that one of the retorts like, Oh my God, Adam, you're putting so much time. I'm like, it's, I'm having a lot of fun. One like, hour on this, yeah, this, this is like in between, you know, playing with my chainsaw and rolling boulders and having visitors and, you know, living the awesome off grid life here. It's been pretty nice just with a, with a, a little bit of integrity, a little bit of calling them on shit I, to yeah, see I, them. So triggered get, get Joey on screen here, but ladies and gentlemen, tonight specifically this topic is Jay Nygaard, the turbine guy. And the reason he's caught up in all this now is that until I guess, I guess on paper, you're still a member of the Mises caucus, right? Um, have you, have you renounced your membership officially at this point? Or you just, I have, 
I have not renounced anything at this point. And you are correct on paper because they are excluding me and they are not posting me on their Facebook page anymore. Oh, so they, oh you, you challenged the sacred Mike Heiss. You questioned him and therefore you are on the blacklist with Mises Caucus. And that, that alone, like going back to what I said earlier about like standards of integrity, when you see that in an organization, you see that in individuals, don't just fucking let it slide. No. Don't just go along with it. And honestly, I have let just I have let the shit slide about Mises for so long because I really didn't care. And I thought, you know what? Most people are good. They'll overcome the bullshit. But then I've realized, not nah, it's not just Mike Heist lying about me and the personal smear campaign that I've experienced. What it really looks like overall is an effort to sabotage the Libertarian Party by making sure that good candidates don't get nominated. Um, and and the worst plot when when they have to nominate a candidate is the worst plausible one, and it just caused general strife in the LP. You know, if they really had the numbers, and and maybe they do have the numbers, but if they really had the numbers and the best interests of the LP at heart, why wouldn't the takeover be very calm and peaceful and unifying and 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 welcomed by at least most of the old guard? It hasn't been. It hasn't even been welcomed by a lot of the new people who just have found themselves the victims of their mudslinging, their lies, their manipulation. And so I want to set up you, I want to set you up properly to tell your story, Jay, and then you can tell your story and we'll set up the clip of the Minnesota state chair of the Libertarian Party resigning that you sent us earlier today. Um, but Jay. Wait, wait, time out before you go on. Okay. It's And I don't even know if you realize this, but to your point of accountability, we shouldn't just be auditing the police. Yeah, you know, right. Thank you for we connecting. should be auditing everybody in our lives, including ourselves, like yourself first yes. and foremost. But no, hold people accountable. And, and you don't have to be mean about it. Um, just matter of fact. And that's well, you do have to be mean about it when you're talking to the Mises Cuckus guys, because a lot of them are, are it's their like, language. You well, a lot it. of them are are one guy, Mike Ice controlling a lot of troll accounts or getting his minions to, to go out and, and follow his message without question. Uh, there's, there's obviously, there's a lot more to this. We are putting the puzzle together before, like I said earlier, I drop. I've got some more bombs. I mean, we people have been sending me stuff behind the scenes. Just wait. Is there, yeah. <laughs> I, I, we have red strings and push-ins. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to be like, hey, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm trying to avoid being that, like, you know, conspiracy theory guy. Um, because right now it does kind of feel like that, uh, but there's it's there's enough. Funny. It's, just... it, it's like a, the elephant in the room with the blanket over it, and you're like, there's something under there. Let's keep pulling, and I keep pulling. Oh, did I? Is there a reason I'm using the elephant metaphor here? It could be a donkey under a blanket. It could be the donkey in the room. For all I know, porcupine. Um, no, no, it's not a porcupine. That's the one. It's not a porcupine. You would know from the shape of the blanket over the thing very clearly from spines poking out if it was a porcupine no the bullshit elephant in the room it could be a donkey under a blanket too but it's obviously behind all of this someone who is being fundamentally dishonest and doesn't have the best interest of the libertarian party or the libertarian movement at heart that enough is absolutely clear absolutely. i'm very confident in that conclusion and jay's experience really speaks to this so jay has been on the show a number of times First, uh, as as our solar guy, as a fun guest, as as uh, a sponsor of this show. So, you know, all that. Yes, conflict of interest all the way around. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> and we have we have the documents. 
Um, <laughs> they're making the LP gay. No, and wait, they're making the shorts. politics. Uh, we have, but we have, we have the screenshots. We have recordings. We have, we have testimony from multiple sources. And really, Jay is coming on now. Uh, to apologize to me to not listen and for not listening to me about the Mises Caucus sooner. I didn't make it a big deal. We didn't push it. I'm being a little facetious, I hope, obviously. Um, but Jay's experience recently, well, you know, he came on the show last to promote his campaign for governor of Minnesota as a libertarian. And that is a thankless job as an activist say hey there's a billet here to be filled Gross. i'm going to represent the libertarian party in this race i'm 99 sure i'm not going to win i'm 99 sure i'm going to work a thankless job but i'm going to love it and throw myself into it because i get to speak the message to statists that's what it means mm -hmm. in, in almost every case to be a libertarian candidate in any kind of serious way and jay's like not as like, yeah i knew what i was getting into and and then basically got sabotaged by mises caucus at the convention uh, at the last minute with some bullshit maneuvering, manipulation of another candidate with the ultimate result of getting voted so that Minnesota as the Libertarian Party, Libertarian Party Minnesota, is not going to have a governor candidate and is therefore going to forfeit essentially its, what is it, minor party status or some some ballot access bullshit. I don't care about the <laughs> But this is shoot yourself in the foot strategy that when Mises gets called on the bullshit dishonesty that they're using to pursue it they will try to excuse it as oh this is just better strategy no it's not right no fucking way so jay tell us what you need to please about the background and, and your experience and what happened at the minnesota state convention recently to uh to set up this clip we're going to play that i believe is just uh, just under four minutes of some of the shenanigans and the chair himself resigning yep no no good great and, and thanks for the setup i i think you did it really well um, the, the first thing I need to say about all of this, and I want you to keep this in mind, you mentioned like Republican this or that, or, you know, it, this could not be a better scenario for some kind of operatives getting into the party, creating turmoil and causing such a deal that Republicans get more votes. And the interesting thing is the reaction from the uh, Mises caucus has been Democrat in every sense, as far as I can tell. So to me, it's kind of a bipartisan thing going on here. Yeah. What happened? I ran for governor in the in the Libertarian Party. I was in the Mises Caucus. I gave a speech to the Mises Caucus three weeks beforehand at the pre-convention meeting. I knew and I was told that some people would be voting for the other candidate, Chris Dock. And that was fine with me. I don't care who people vote for. I want them to vote for the best person. That's not an issue. But there are other people in the caucus as well looking for my support for their position on the Judicial Committee, for going to Las Vegas, for whatever position. And to me, when you get in a caucus, the whole point of getting in a caucus is to promote similar goals and, and, and to help each other attain those goals. And, and I kind of think you, you'd all agree with that. And at this point, I actually do have to apologize to you, Adam, that, that I, I didn't really listen, but you know what? I'm going to fall back on the fact that I'm naive and I typically assume the best in people. Yeah. Now, I'm, yeah. Not, I'm not saying in any way that Mises caucus is bad. I want to make that completely clear. There are plenty of people I know in Mises caucus that are tremendous libertarians, honest and honorable people.
That, that, that is absolutely true. But what I am saying is it's frustrating that when you go and you get yourself involved with someone, that at the very last minute, people of that same group that have asked for and expect your support choose to chop the legs not only out from under you, but under the under the entire Libertarian Party for some theoretical goal two years later. Some thought that, you know what, there's no chance we can get 5%, some losing attitude that why would we even bother trying right after I got up and I told everybody, I know I can get 5%. I know I can. So the, the big thing is what happened is I gave my speech and I complimented my opponent, Chris Dock, who is a tremendous libertarian in his own right. We're, we're different. And the way I explained the difference was he had put out a sheet that, that said his stuff and I, I had brought a flyer that said mine. His was all black and black and white. Mine was colorful. And I said, the difference is I'm color and flaring and, and you know, Chris dots a T's, dots the I's and cross the T's. But it, it turned out that Chris and I had talked and there was every potential that no matter who won, the other would have been the lieutenant governor running me because we saw such a complimentary aspect of our character and we still have the same damn beliefs, yep. right? Well, here I am in the Mises caucus, and at the last minute, you know, and Chip, this guy, he had told me the night before he was going to do it, and I was really kind of surprised about it, and I was discussing it with him and, and trying to understand why, and I couldn't, because when you're in a, a political party, to me, the whole idea is to run candidates, and if you've got two extremely qualified candidates, why would you want to subvert both of them? I didn't get it. So I didn't think much of it till the next day when we're getting ready to vote for governor. Now, now that was a mistake that they didn't hold the votes a day before because the next day, maybe a third of the people were gone. So we had less representation when voting time came. So that, that, that was very poor planning uh, on the party's part as far as I'm concerned. But at the last minute, a Mises party member who asked for my support got up and argued NOTA and said no to the candidate, and we have to argue this, and took questions, and we're running short on time. So we really didn't get to have a chance for a good argument, and I never got a chance to respond to, to how ridiculous it was. Well, basically, I was betrayed by a caucus member. Now, it started out as only being one person, and Chip said, oh, it was only me. And then all of a sudden, James steps in and says, well, no, I was going to do it if Chip wasn't. And some other things I've seen posted around and looking at it, it's obvious to me, and may not be true, but there were other peoples in the caucus who were uh, involved in this. And, and uh, James even admitted two things. One, that they were uh, uh, on the caucus uh, text or, or messaging, talking about it while it was going on, and, and, and that he had uh, said, he actually admitted this, that on a mic being filmed right before the vote, that he was 99% sure Noda was going to win. Now, he has said that was sarcastic, and he put a bunch of words before to try, try to preface it, but there's only one thing you can assume by that. He kind of knew something was, was in. Now, the 
biggest thing about all of this was that the Mises caucus had sent out a pre-convention letter that specifically said no no to votes any time. So that was a policy of Mises caucus. Now I've had a lot of people give me crap saying that for some reason I got sour grapes and ah blah blah. I'm what frustrates me is I was at the Libertarian Party because I thought I would have a fair opportunity and that rug was pulled out. Not just pulled out, but pulled out by a Mises caucus member who had worked with another Mickey's, Mises caucus member who had been on messaging with Mises caucus people. Okay? There's so much Mises caucus here, and the Mises caucus people can't deal with these facts. They keep trying to throw it on me. Oh, you would have lost anyways. Or this. Or Chris wouldn't have won anyways. The percentages were this. You know what? The percentages don't matter. What happened is I was, and Chris Dock was, torpedoed by a fellow Mises caucus member at the convention at the last minute, which went against Mises' policy, and Mises' caucus not only does not care about it, has spent their time defending these people like Democrats. There you go. Yeah, I know. Thank you, Jay. That's a great stuff. I got, I got two things, two things I want to insert here before we roll tape for your video. Um, first, I want to thank you for having the intellectual integrity to listen to me and say, I'm not sure about that. Let me go find out for yourself. That's and important. then, because that's, I, that's important. I'm not saying I'm infallible or that everything I say as a suspicion is automatically correct, but I really appreciate your process and then having the integrity to come back and say, well, I've saw for myself and you were right. And that's, that's huge. Um, that really does speak to your character. But second of all here, uh, you know, I, there are still some things I'm, I'm holding back. <laughs> it, it, I want to make sure that I'm not holding back anything that is, is important to where we're at in this process of watching the, Mises caucus implode, I guess. Oh, 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 hold on. Okay, can I throw one more thing in? Here's the biggest thing that that they're trying to gloss over. Now, I've gone back and forth with the uh, with the party administrator because they put out a, a convention deal afterwards talking about it. And for some reason, none of this was mentioned in it. None of this. Not only that, here's the biggest thing. Damn, I can't believe I didn't remember it. The party chair, Chris Holbrook, immediately upon finding out what went on, resigned and said, this is BS. And the reason is because he signed on for an extra year specifically to help run a governor candidate. And they pulled the rug out from under him, too. Mm. Uh, so I got Mises people pointing the finger at me when they're endorsed candidate for chair who was elected the day before resigned in protest and they refuse to acknowledge that that is an issue with the party yeah yeah no and and it is kind an of if, if you if you want to try to personify or anthropomorphize the mises caucus as a whole it's like that psycho girlfriend bitch who's always lying and like the typical narcissistic personality disorder yeah, of like deflecting and dishonesty yeah. you can you can really see that there's a pattern of behavior, but I don't want to 
make vague accusations like that. I want to be very specific and name names. And I, the big thing for me is the direct dishonesty that I've experienced and the smear campaign that I, now we have in writing as sourced from yeah. Michael Heiss, who is deliberately Ooh. knowingly spread lies about me. We've seen it in writing. So that's, yeah. and, and, and the one thing I'll, I'll, I'll hang my hat on, he is, he is now publicly in writing on a Facebook group, accused me of having called Larry Sharp pedophile. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if I ever came out and said, you know, Larry Sharp is a pedophile, like, I would never be welcome yeah. back in the party. That's I would never be able to live that down. Like there would be video of it. Yeah, right. Adam would be that guy. Now, it's, oh, it's, oh, you know, the funny thing is, and, and I almost don't want to mention this, because, <laughs> but I have to for my own intellectual integrity, is that he's deliberately taking things that I've done that are real and twisting and distorting them. So I have to like defensively clarify, you know, it's like, you're lying. You said something that fundamentally isn't true. You're lying. I don't need to explain You're lying. Get it's the wrong. fuck out. It's but wrong. for people who want to know like, Oh, well, didn't we hear something about Adam Frost with Larry Sharp? Yeah. I was lied to about Larry Sharp by someone in my campaign and by Mike Heiss. And I haven't been able to say this publicly because I didn't have the proof of his dishonesty to back it up. But now that I have it, I can tell, little bit mm. of that backstory and i was lied to about larry sharp's involvement with bill weld and politically i respect both of them but like obviously i, I didn't like what they represented in contrast to the you know more voluntarist purist message in the lp obviously like a lot of us don't like bill weld and larry sharp being friendly with him i didn't like that was i was lied to about that and i went off half cocked or misinformed i should say on larry and when i was corrected mm. Uh, I was open about it. I talked about it and I apologized because honest people make mistakes and take accountability like that. People I did. I did with you. I just admitted I made a mistake. There you go. And that's, that's what mistake, good, Jay. honest it's, people do. Yeah, it's not a mistake. You found out for yourself. Yeah, I don't think it was a mistake. In your part. It was said, a process. You probably heard what other people yeah. said. They're conflicting. You've got to, you got to take everything as it is and learn. Sometimes you got to learn the hard way. And, and, this, and not and, be embarrassed to find out that. Yeah, right. Having that, again, that intellectual having, integrity. Yeah. So I've apologized to Larry Sharp publicly. And we're friends and fellow, like, we're friendly co-activists, candidates within the party. Like, we've supported each other since then. Like, we actually got stronger as a relate, you know, in, in our friendship. <laughs> As a result of having gone through that, I have mad respect for Larry as a result of seeing how he handled that. And I think of how he handled my my mm -hmm. false accusation <laughs> with integrity. And I see how my true accusations now against Mises Caucus Trigger. are triggering that psychopath girlfriend hiding avoidant behavior. Hold on, before we get to that long yeah, comment. I didn't realize that was going to hide all of Hold on, yeah, right, right, right. We'll get to that. I'll read it in a second. And then we'll, then we'll, I got one more point I want to make because I said I'm going to name names before we get to the video. It's really <laughs> important to, to differentiate the leadership of the Mises Caucus from the grassroots because there is a legitimate yeah. grassroots. Well yeah. There are right. great people in the caucus. When, yeah. when I say the Mises Caucus as a whole, I'm saying 80% people who are sucked in unknowingly who are also conned by the dishonest leadership yeah. of the Mises Caucus. Yeah. And is it 20%? I don't know. Like it's 90% of the time and effort that goes into Mises caucus are, are the full-time activists like Joshua Smith and, and Michael Heiss. Now, so to name me names about Jay's story first, 
I endorsed him and he knew that I was on a friendly text message basis and conversational basis with Dave Smith. And so he said, Adam, can you reach out to Dave and ask for his endorsement? And it seems like it would be a perfect way for me and Dave, even as prospective rivals for 24 coming together. And we're like, yeah, we both think Jay's good candidate for governor um, to represent the party and, and being a Mises caucus member. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll go along with it. You know, like I'll, I'll endorse Jay because it's Jay, not because he's a Mises caucus member. And I texted him a few times in, in the, I think it was a couple of weeks before the convention. And that was when he ghosted me. Him, Dave Smith. Dave Smith. Yeah. And I'm like, that's just some immature childish shit. Like we, like he couldn't even come up with a good excuse to blow me. I like, I can't endorse I, yeah, Jay because I have another friend here. in the race. He could have said something we like that. And he just ignored me. He just ghosted me. And, and I'm tempted <laughs> to check myself and be like, am I? Like just upset because I'm being ignored. Like, no, I'm noticing that when I point out certain things, certain people just disappear. And so I'm naming <laughs> that Dave Smith on, on the personal shadiness because I've given him chances to reach out to me. He's got my number. Instead, he talks shit on Twitter. I only go public with shit like that. And you know, I can like or, not in text. Yeah. So there's yeah, that that's too. that's some shady shit. Like you he, won't talk to me. I, Straight up, like I'm not, I'm not dangerous. Like, like I can't, I can't punch you on the phone. This is what I imagine middle school kids put up with, only you know, on a different, like, subject matter level nowadays. It's just, it's so, I can't. So here's the next one. The next name, I I got, I got two more names. I got to get through in this. Joshua Smith. Oh, 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 hold on, hold on. I do want to say that's really disappointing because when Dave Smith was there at the convention, he did have a really good message to to deliver. And, and I really agreed with a lot of it, and, and and I appreciated him hearing it. I was just disappointed that the people at the Minnesota convention didn't hear what he had to say. That uh, we have to come together. That we have to look over minor difficulties, and we have to do different things. And especially the Mises caucus didn't hear him. So I just wanted to insert that. Well, it's like the Christians who clearly didn't read the yeah, Bible. No, 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 and that's no, the vibe no, I get. No, 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 Joey. It's worse than that. It's, uh, Dave Smith preaching unity and working together and integrity and principled action for the Libertarian Party is like Reverend Haggard smoking meth with gay prostitutes and then <laughs> going and running a church. It's, it's that level of contradiction, okay? Yeah. So... It just is. And the next name, I got a name. Let me let me get through a couple of names. And we'll play the video and then we'll take comments. Uh, can we save the comments for just comments after the video? Testimonies. But, okay, there's testimonies. Oh, it's a lot of people bitching about Mises. Because I'm getting all the. And by the way, I mean, <laughs> coming out about Tom Woods, if I could name names of low integrity that are being exposed now as as basic. I don't want to. I don't want to accuse him, but he is being accused of grooming his ex-wife because. He started the relationship with her when she was 15 and he was 23. Someone like someone did the math and, and a bunch of lies and proved that he at least lied about it. Right. And it lied about the timing and the was da yeah. dating a woman. And now I don't even want to say it's inappropriately young because I don't want to I don't want to make on. that judgment. If she's 15 and he's 23, That's I'm going to individual i want to give everybody the agency that they deserve but at some point this is why there are age of consent laws i don't like government being the mechanism of this but there's a fundamentally exploitive point at which 
you can say that person's not capable of consenting to what you're suggesting. And it really looks like that with Tom, but I can say decisively he's caught in a big public lie about it. Hold on. I haven't even gotten my last two days. Link in the telegram <laughs> channel, by the way, I don't, I don't care. Whatever Tom would let him flounder and destroy his own credibility. But it was just funny. This came to my attention because he's been, a Mises guy, and he's jumped on my threads recently saying, nobody knows what you're talking about, and I'm confused. I'm like, yeah, I bet you are. Keep playing dumb, Tom. Um, it's all over the internet. But then Josh Smith, also someone I've always had a friendly, even like up to a I week before. Josh. I, I, I sent, like Josh. I sent not, him a text message. Josh for like, reason at all. I, just, I, I still I have his T-shirt. This is Break the Cycle from when he was running for I chair. Am, I, I sent him a picture of me wearing that T-shirt because I was just wearing it on a random day here. Anyway. So this came up. He ghosted me in text. Wait, started wait, talking Josh did too? Yeah, started talking shit No, Josh, really? Yeah, Josh. You were me. just on his show this year, just a few months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what is going on? I was on his show, Amy, yeah. 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 Um, and then, and? well, this makes me appreciate the sort of, no matter how many views I get when I'm shadow banned or Twitter shadow banned, whatever, I, my resume has an, it has an undeniable weight in libertarian conversations. And I'm, I'm just so grateful that for everybody who's helped me get to this point and promoted me and recognized my unique integrity as an activist, because that's what makes it possible for me to confront this right now. You know what, you know how I, what makes it possible for me to confront this is in eighth grade, the cheerleaders came over to our table of four girls that we all hung out with. And they looked at Melissa, to, I'm not gonna call her last name, <laughs> and, and said, we like you. We want you to be our friend. And and she, this is before Mean Girls came out. And I think that's the way it went down in that movie, actually. So this has been like 1995-ish. Uh, and, and Melissa got up like a little sheep and followed them. And Melissa wouldn't make eye contact with the three of us that she was such great friends with for the rest of high school. And that's what I feel like the Mises Caucus is doing <laughs> to our yeah. friends. Yeah, like, okay. You want, to come, you want to come be at our Kill Kids Club and everybody's just like walking away, not answering texts, having zero accountability. Uh, kudos to Angela for looking into. Okay, Angela so that's Garth the last name I'm going to name here. And then we're going to get to the video. video. Angela McArdle, who was the Mises choice for chair of the Libertarian Party going into oh. Reno. Be um, careful, baby. Look for your red flags. Right, right. No, no, it's funny. Of, of it's, it's all these dudes acting like little cuck bitches running away, ghosting on me, being dishonest. And it's Angela, who so far is the only one I could say who's Mises leadership, who's interacting with me with integrity. She is solid leadership. And I don't not well, we'll see. I, I think from everything I've seen of Angela, sure. I have no, no I have absolutely. no reason. I, other than her association with, with all these shady people. And part of me, like my, my only like, and I love Angela. And I've said, to, I've told her this publicly. She watches this. I love you. I respect you. I have no reason at this point to doubt your integrity or your good intentions in any way, but you are in a position right now where you're about to be, as far as I'm concerned, you're really being tested. God, be careful. This, and I hope you pass the test. I hope you pass the test uh, because you've been affiliated with some really shady characters. Uh, sorry. I, to be fair, everybody has. No, 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 no. Hold on. Angela's affiliation is working as the California state chair i believe maybe she gives someone else a chair but she's basically california mises i think she resigned it to run for national chair right she's formally disaffiliated with mises in order to run for chair which but is smart. she ran the show but can she now actually 
call out, show real leadership with integrity. Now that I am bringing this to her attention in a way that I am doing so publicly undenying, uh, undeniably and, and subjecting to her scrutiny. And, and when we spoke on the phone, I spoke with, spoke with uh, Angela. This is Angela McArdle. And again, um, and she the word. So as far as I concerned, she's the only adult in the room for LP pieces. Yeah, I remember her boothing right next to your booth during the campaign, and like she's just solid, man. On she's point. got energy she and intensity that you know comes from like in, in some place of of genuine beautiful motivation. So I definitely, oh. you know, and, and and as much as I'm I'm putting her <laughs> on the spot, you want to say you want to be chair of my party? <laughs> okay, let's see what you got. Um, and I'm just really grateful for the opportunity because either either Angela is going to do something that I'm going to say, oh, my God, fuck you. I love you so much. How dare you be so awesome? I am supporting you unquestionably for chair now like that. She has the potential to show the, the, the ability totally. to leave the like she is she is she has been blessed with this opportunity. I'm sorry I started that with fuck you. I meant that obviously that was the sarcastic positive fuck you. Fuck yeah. Uh, right, like yes. Yeah. Like, yes, I can't believe Angela you you have proven that the LP is blessed to have you as a chair. She And if, if that's the case, I if she if she does if she really performs with with that complete integrity and shows me that I will I will fight for her to be chair and I I love a couple other chair candidates. I'm not committed but none of them have would have proven themselves at the level that Angela has the opportunity to be about to be able to do. She, we'll see what she, does. she can break this divide. Yeah. I think I, and she Her conflict resolution and emotional integrity and, and maturity. She's got it. And uh, now as, as so Joey said, that. we've been thinking like, do we want to see the Mises caucus die or resign or, or reform yes. or whatever? Uh, yeah. I, yeah. No, I no, I think the brand is dead. I think I think there's no right. use for it. I think it should. I think the, the the people who have been sucked in as Mises caucus activists who are well intentioned should say, you know what, we don't need a caucus to be good. Yeah, LP we we are we are an act. We are good at being an activist because we don't we need an we don't need strategic maneuvering to, yeah. to fool people to go along with our agenda within the party. We can just be like. Or if, if you really want to join, if you want to be, oh, well, the LP is too leftist and not pure. There's the fucking radical caucus. It's been there this yeah, whole time. And you know what this is all starting you know, to feel like to me? It's like this duopoly bullshit. Like, I'm watching Mises fight. I don't even know everybody, right? Well, it's worse. The whole time Mises has been subtext, we're the Ron Paul caucus. We're here to shamelessly exploit his legacy. Uh, that being said, enough, enough. Okay, now, now, now but before you play the video, I want to ask Angela one question, and I want her to consider this and maybe even get back to me. I want to have her answer to me how me, as a turbine guy, with everything I brought to the party and all the positive attributes, how I could possibly trust the Mises party again. Yeah. I mean, nobody should. That's why I think it's, it's, it's a brand that should be trashed. Uh, look, look g g give me an answer. You know what? Clean up your own house. You want to clean up everybody else's house, but your house is dirty itself. So clean up your own house while you're going after everybody else. That's what the, that's what the turbine guy says. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you. All right. All right. Yourself. I'm not going more than enough. I'm not, we're not going past 730 tonight. 
Oh, I'm not Tired, giving that man. much airtime to this bullshit. So roll tape, Jim. <laughs> uh, thanks. Thanks. Can you hear me? Um, Unfortunately. So who knows what notice? Sorry, who knows I'm what sorry, notice stands for? Man. Okay, I'll take that as one correct answer. But another way to think of it is not a, not anyone. And what I mean is, I don't think for this race this year we should nominate anyone for governor. Why? I think of our statement of principles. The purpose of the Libertarian Party of Minnesota shall be, shall be to function primarily as a political party to elect people to political office in order to achieve the values in the statement of principles. We could nominate people for all the state offices, all the state house races, all the state senate races, We'd get, how many do you think we'd get qualified to be on the ballot? One, maybe. Maybe two. We got a lot of notas. Jay is here. I think Chip made a pretty compelling case for nota. I was not expecting that. The results are 33 votes for Chris Dodd, 20 votes for Taylor Nygaard, 14 votes for none of the above. None of these get two-thirds. We cannot reallocate none of the above. Therefore, we will have no candidate for governor this year. Well done, Minnesota. <laughs> um, so if Nota came before Jay, though, you would eliminate Jay, right? Yes. So it's just because Nota got last. Wait, why can't why that doesn't make sense? No, because they didn't you know, get two things. Somebody wants to bring it in. Nota, Nota is always treated like a candidate, so that's well, very strange. That's what I'm saying. You can reallocate and yeah. end up with over two. Well, I still have the artifacts, so we can. So that, you know, I think with, this was probably the most intelligent um, decision our state affiliate can make to totally shit-can our minor party okay. status. That's going to really help us in the future. Action on this? No. So this is what you got. So Chris Doc after eliminating Jay Nygaard, Chris Doc gets eight more votes, so it's forty one. Nota gets about more votes. Forty four requires that you make the position. I don't care, dude. I got bad shit to do in my life. I'm not gonna. I said the same shit. I make a motion to revote. I second. I make a motion to Second. Second. I'm not. I'm not making this motion. I quit. I'm. This is not my choice. Is not reversible. So this will not change my role. I'm sorry. I, I'm done. I love you guys, and I'm really sorry for leading you on. You know, with this, I really appreciate your support. Um, the party is now uh, under the control of Charlie Kukwins. Thank you. <laughs> the look on his face. Uh, <laughs> so um, we'll take questions until like 
I don't know, for, for 10-ish minutes here and comments, people want to dish their dirt and, and share their, their data points as well. Um, I'll again remind everybody, please email me, uh, adam at thefreedomline.com, if you want to give me uh, you know some serious sources, testimony on, on, on things that, that you've seen. Uh, but, you know, again, keeping it simple, I don't really care. It's enough for me to say I'm extremely confident in my conclusions about Michael Heiss uh, and the, the leadership of the Mises Cox in general. There's more to learn. I have more bombs that I will be dropping. There's going to be more stuff coming out. But like I, I almost I'm, I'm really fucking sick of the minutia. You know, and I want to I want to point out too, like you, you didn't even you didn't even have to get involved in this. Like they, they pulled you into this off of the meme that you made, not just about Mises, but about fighting. Yeah. And it's, it's, and I, I can't believe it's an absolute Will Smith moment. Can't take a joke. Mises was under fire for having extreme memes and defended themselves. And now they're, I, I, I can't, mm, so, so it's the like, crazy narcissistic bipolar ex-girlfriend going through the oh my god you're with somebody yeah. else like and, psychopath and meltdown. just like you didn't ask to be put in the yeah. positions where you were able to audit police you didn't ask to be put in the position well kind of i mean i poked at him with the meme but i'm just you're not, you I'm, didn't I'm poke just, at you know, them individually you, you poked at the whole well i called out at not i call out nick starwark yes. and mike heiss and dave smith and i'm happy to or was even happy to before we had Mike Heiss caught in the lie um, that it's that it's it's just detrimental. I don't want to say infighting because I'm 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 happy with infighting. It's necessary. It's part of it. It's a healthy part of any organization. In but debating, it's the, right. Well, no, no, when it's done with intellectual integrity, when it's done with the best interest of the party heart at heart, when it's not a struggle over power, when you are like Jay said, willing at the end of the day. To say, well, the party liked you more. Can I be your lieutenant governor candidate? And we run as a team. And you go, fuck yeah. And you work together. And the way that there's so much stuff coming out of the Mises bullshit. You're like, nah, it's not that. And yeah, I just I just poked at it. And and it's sort of like, um, man, yeah, just I, like a, a, a I, I didn't even poke at it. I merely told the truth like I told you tonight as to what happened, and now I'm in trouble, and, and I'm on suspension, and I'm this and I'm that, as if, you know, what they're doing is going to any way affect what I do. You know, they bring a person into their caucus who has a history of calling out government, calling out courts, calling out everybody for what they're doing, and they're surprised when I catch them doing it that I call them out. You know, I got to tell you, these guys are amateurs compared to what I've been up against before. Yeah, oh, I kinda, you know, you, you make me want to brag a little bit and play play my version of that card and be like, really, Dave Smith, really, Josh Smith, really, Mike Heiss, really, Tom Woods? Yeah. veteran. You think I'm afraid of you? Yes. <laughs> but, like I've stared down cops and feds, and, and I've had laser gun sights <laughs> on my chest. I'm afraid of your Twitter gaslighting attempts. They've sent more people after like, you than Bin Laden. I'm yeah, like I yeah, I used to say, I used to say that about 
the the, the United right. States Park Police, and now I can say it about Mike Heiss has spent, sent more fake Twitter accounts after me than the government <laughs> groups after Bin Laden. Uh, yeah, um, but the bigger picture here is 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 I hope you know again to connect it to the theme of the episode of the the virtue of transparency. That's the actual title that. Uh, I haven't mentioned yet. The Virtue of Transparency is, is the, the title he of the show. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, we have to, if, if Mises Caucus implodes in Reno and the result is a bunch of us delusionally standing over the ashes going, ha ha, we rid the party of the snakes of the Mises Caucus. Wow. Um, and the Nick Star, by the way, I'm just as anti Nick Star work as ever. I'm I, not like, taking sides in this. It's like all this really. bullshit. Like, no. Um, I'm here representing the libertarian wing of the libertarian party. Um, but yeah, with, with all of the, you know, the, the infighting, um, like with, with that calling it out, um, I'm, I, if we're, if, if we end up standing over the ashes of the party in Reno, then the people who, uh, who really engineered the Mises caucus and, and, and I, again, I want to give benefit of the doubt to everybody who I've I've named. Y'all might just be manipulated, useful idiots, and they might have just taken advantage of Mike Heiss because he had a grudge on me because I fired him for his bullshit when he worked for me as Adam versus the Man when when I had like, like staff sponsorship. Like you're gonna and, get targeted that yeah, way. I mean, he worked for me and lived with me for a few months, and I fired him back in what was it, 2014, the year of the 2013, the year of the shotgun incident. And so maybe yeah, they found a guy with a with with an axe to grind, um, and and the, just the right combination of you know little thick insecurities that they're like ah we'll make him our puppet. But, you know, or maybe um, there's not even. Well, no, like, I point. I'm about to forget my point in this. Is that <laughs> if we're standing over the ashes in Reno and going, yay, we purged the party of the snakes. The engineers behind all that are just going to go, ah, cool. We'll just do it again next cycle. And if yeah. we don't really learn the lessons. As, as a movement and as a party and as like the base of activists who are legitimate as, as the, the, the heart and soul of this movement, the lifeblood, all the other silly metaphors, you get my point, right? Um, if, if we don't learn the lesson and really inoculate ourselves against this kind of manipulation moving forward, it's just going to take another form as it always has over the years. I'm very optimistic and that I have unshakable confidence in the progress of humanity and that we are winning and they are losing. We who believe in humanity and love and peace and freedom and ethics and they who are willing to use the coercion of the state and the lies and the propaganda to manipulate us, to exploit us, their rackets are failing and they are losing. And it might be progress. I don't know enough about the history of bullshit in the libertarian. I, sh I know more than, than almost anybody on earth. Uh, there are only a handful, uh, maybe a couple hundred people who know more than me there's more. of the, of the history of bullshit in the LP. But I think this is progress that someone like me is able to put, even just these pieces together so far and call it out directly. But if it shows how susceptible we are to their manipulation um, and we don't really inoculate ourselves or fix the, the weakness, if we don't have the courage, the intellectual integrity, the emotional maturity to face our weaknesses, we can't build up strengths in their place. So Jay, before we get to comments, we got any, any final thoughts? 
Oh, geez. You know, it's just disappointing to me because my whole goal in running for governor was a couple of things. One was to bring the message of, you know, anti-war and get drug people out of jail and let's protect some property rights. You know, those were really, really big to me. But 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 it went deeper than that. You know, I thought we could get a ground groundswell of people to come together and do something in Minnesota and maybe make the libertarians into something. And we could use the popularity I've been able to gain to help the Libertarian Party grow. And it's sad to me that people are such so short-sighted, short-sighted, that, that they can't even take time to look at that. But... A minority of the party has chosen that Minnesota does not have a serious voice in the election this year when it's most needed and the government's most vulnerable. I just don't get it, you know, and I'm just really sad that that who I call my party and my caucus has not only chosen to do this, but, but to do it and act like it's not a big deal. It might be a good thing. Well, Jay, I appreciate it and love everything you said, but I do have to take issue with one bit of the language. I don't know. Like, you know, you know that what's fundamentally behind this is people who don't have the best interest of the Libertarian Party at heart. And whoever's supporting them could be anyone up to the top who doesn't want to see the Libertarian Party. But, but like you said, people get duped. And from what I heard, the gentleman who made this impassioned plea feels really, really bad about what happened because he had no idea there might be actual consequences to his actions. He had no idea, you know, even though all the signs were in front of him. Cut you off out there, but that's a perfect, because let's get to the comments. And Jay, stay on to respond to the comments. But again, not getting, try not to get dragged down in the minutia, but I will say from everything I've heard, that kind of dishonest maneuvering from LP state leadership has been a clear pattern. And it, it, what, you're, what you're describing is, has been very typical. And I, I, I suspect, and I'll say I suspect when that's all I got, that there are a number of, of paid part-time, full-time activists and doesn't take much for a college kid to go, yeah, I'll be the Mises coordinator in my state. Oh, I get to do shady political maneuvering for Mike Heiss for, you know, a thousand dollars a month. A lot of, yeah, a lot of people will do it for the ego stroking or for feeling important like activists and just get sucked in. But with that, Joey, please get us some comments. What was was that first big one? Uh, You want to read these? Let me take myself off the screen so we can read this here. (laughs) Um, But Mark Cannon has a similar experience to what Jay said. Jay said he didn't poke them. He didn't instigate this. Says during the Colorado State Convention, the Mises Caucus was texting during a vote, trying to note a candidate who was the only candidate because they didn't like him. Petty AF, we, non-Mises, found out because a Mises guy stood up and yelled, can you believe they're trying to note this guy? Candidate did nothing to Mises, but Mises hate runs deep. Yeah. Sounds familiar is all I can say. Yeah, I, again, I, that's thank you for the extra data point there, uh, Mark Cannon on Facebook, and for doing so not anonymously because you know there are a lot of anonymous <laughs> popping up on Twitter lately. All right, what's next, Joey? Uh, You're going through something. You know, I'm I'm trying to find one that Kalish Morrow left. Oh, Kalish has weighed in on this. That's uh, yeah, awesome. weighed in on my Facebook page, and, and uh, Kalish knows it's public. I don't think she'd have any issue. Oh, with she's going to read it from her phone. That's great. Sharing Go ahead. this, um, but I'm trying to find it. 
bear with me. Talk amongst yourselves. Well, what was the point? Well, go ahead and summarize it. I don't think Kalish minds being quoted. Uh, similar, just, just deception in California. In California yeah. um, that instead of working together like you can and you know, being transparent about your strategies, because political strategies are a real thing, and I can't in on them. Uh, but but in in the Libertarian Party, they should be shared and you know discussed. And I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I should know. point out that there are there are at least a handful of people who I have sort of near unquestionable faith in, respect and trust for, um, Kalish Morrow, um, Brent and Jillian Olson, uh, Mimi Robeson, uh, a handful of other California state activists, Paul Van Nigginham, whose last time I'm pronouncing because it's like five syllables. Um, that was pretty close, wasn't it? Paul. <laughs> there are a handful of other great LP <laughs> I don't, Paul. I don't know. You haven't said anything about this. I don't want to drag you into this. Uh, but there, but but those other uh, four names I mentioned have, uh, and and there are people I have that faith in. Uh, I've said, yeah, Mises is just a, a negative force. And the, the last point I'll make about this with California is that Angela McCardle has been on, uh, had held various positions within the leadership of the California State LP and Libertarian. Party Mises Caucus. So where's the connection? They're All right, uh, Gabby Monroe. LPBA. They were texting her during the LPBA convention to um, texting her. So here's but here's the uh, here's here's the what's going on in California uh, testimony. Felice here is our Mises run communications and social media committee without even a meeting or having taken having taken place yet. Just took over our state group page via an email motion. A whole lot of people with dissenting opinions are about to get silenced. So uh, another part of the pattern in the Mises strategy. It, it take over. They're not lying when they say that. I thought it was clever marketing this whole time. Take over and cut off. Well, right. No, hold on. I want to I want to differentiate differentiate something very important in what you just said about the social media example of California because we've seen this in New Hampshire and other state parties and and it's that when Mises gets control of social media, they post purist and edge lordy and, and type shit. And on on the messaging, I don't they, they want to make it a debate about the messaging. And honestly, between the between Nick Sarwark's bullshit messaging and Mises Caucus messaging, I'm kind of like, eh, neither are my flavor. But uh, to be fair, Nick Sarwark in his outward messaging for the party was was generally on point on the message. Uh, it was his internal bullshit that, that I judge him by, obviously. And I, but you know, like, I don't like the Nick Sarwark flavor. I don't like the Mises Caucus flavor. But that's not. I, they want to make the debate about that. No, there's enough bullshit dishonesty and manipulation in how they have taken over state social media platforms and then said things that they said they wouldn't or really gone against the, the, the trust that they thought that was supposedly established with state parties. There's, there's enough dishonesty, deception, manipulation around there. It's like, nah, don't distract us by make, making this a messaging debate about purity. This is you being deceptive, dishonest, manipulative. You, Mises Caucus activists, and I'll say leadership versus the grassroots. Yeah, Alicia Hardiman says they speak in they. So in theory, it would be normal to get the benefit of the doubt. But um, and I think she's, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Alicia, but I think you're getting at the point that, yeah, it's it's, it's they and us language with, with Mises. All of a sudden, there's this divisiveness that we're so used to seeing in you know, good old-fashioned duopoly politics that the Libertarian Party has been so refreshing to have Avoided even amongst all the infighting, there's there's been very little us, they, them, and and, and now all of a sudden we've got a, a whole caucus speaking in May. All right, Joey, well, what I are found that out? Sure. I found that out. 
That's what it is with me right now. Because I called out what's going on. Now, all of a sudden, I'm they or them. I'm not one of us. Uh, there's there's a dishonest stifling of criticism to maintain opacity. But, Joey, you always hold back on some comments because they're offensive or troll comments or something. Is there, or do we really just shut up all the trolls and critics um, with, with this expose? Somebody so called you a, a dirty hippie earlier. I'm a dirty hippie. I am a dirty hippie. We are, thank you. Guilty. Hey, guilty. I'm a dirty hippie pirate, though, to be fair. There's been very little trolls today. Uh, Gabby Monroe chimes in and says, that's exactly what they're doing with Mises. In PA, they're committing political coercion and pushing their nastiness to destroy candidates who are running real campaigns. They are a cult. That's what it looks like. I. I That's what happened. I'm not. We're not going to stoop to cult. Cult is an unfair accusation. Cult-like behavior is not. There is a lot of cult-like behavior. I wouldn't say as a whole because for the most people involved, for the grassroots of the Mises Caucus, they're not. They're barely involved. Most of them are like. They, they go, oh, I liked Ron Paul. Oh, I can be one of the Ron Paul people in the Libertarian Party. Okay, I'll come in and vote with those people. And they've been generally tricked by a pitch as simple as that. And as long as Mike Heiss and, and, and the leadership, the activists within the, the, the caucus can maintain that outward image, that's all they have to do to bamboozle those people. Yeah, and you know what? Right now, those people feel wanted. They feel part of a movement. And it breaks my heart for those grassroots people that they're being misled so blindly. And what kind of taste is this going to put in their mouth, right? Is it going to send them running back to their respective parties, wherever they came from, or just being completely politically homeless and and, and not caring about? I, I, okay, I so let me just follow that up with, um, for anybody who's feeling that way, there's a better way to libertarian, and we can show you how. Um, I libertarian all day long. Uh, I libertarian so hard it hurts. <laughs> um, better than any other libertarian out there. People say um, great things about your libertarianism. Uh, <laughs> no, I do. I do. I, and, and with our message continuing, uh, I'm, I'm still a uh, telegram has provided me a better version of Twitter uh, as a way of having a channel and interacting with people. And I love it. Um, if people really want to talk about this, um, we have made some posts in the uh, the main anniversary demand telegram group t.me slash anniversary demand we have a chat associated with that if anybody really wants to get into that but uh, you know again joey really specifically for what you said about people who you know risk coming out of this disillusioned and 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 turned off yeah that's part of it and and i want to tell you part of being an activist that i've learned over my 15 years plus now of full-time activism is that the, the challenges are not what you're going to expect. Uh, the challenge, I mean, what it's like in solitary confinement for months, it's not what you expect. Uh, learning how to talk to cops, it's not what you expect. Facing down difficult friend relationships with activists who you've conned you, you know, being, having that integrity in your relationships. And I'll, I will gladly admit a place that I have failed in, 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 in facing my weaknesses, as I said earlier, in relationships also in building my organizations in ways that I have failed. But I've learned those lessons, and it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't. The trolls right. came out to play. All right. The trolls came All right. out go, to do play. It, do it, do it, do <laughs> it. Sometimes, it's a ship into RT News, and we'll tell you a thousand truths to get you to believe one lie. I respect all the auditors in here. Be wearing of be wearing 
Yeah. Two words. Of who, <laughs> where typo. you spend your attention. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you, New Edge Designs. I appreciate that. Thanks, um, Yeah. No. And, and and part of this, like, what what has empowered me to be at, at at this point where I can talk about this stuff, is like I I don't care. I really don't care what people think of me, except as a means to an end. Um, I'm I've I've grown out of that part of my that phase of my activism that I, I will cool. I will admit was in some ways ego driven or or immaturity driven but I'm at the point now where like I, I don't give a fuck like I care what you think of me as a means to an end like to be able to get done what I want to get done to make the world a better place as an activist to build my homestead my family my organization but like I if if I have to make the world hate me to build my little paradise here and convince everybody to be libertarian, I don't give a fuck. Right, whatever, <laughs> like, whatever yeah. gets it done, right? And, and the other thing is I've been around long enough. I've learned enough lessons the hard way to know what I'm doing. I fell, I, I fell on the sword to call out Jesse Benton with Ron Paul Inc. If you really you can Google that shit. And this isn't my first rodeo by a long shot. A lot of these people I'm naming have a frac tiny fraction of the time I've got in. You poor little children <laughs> uh, don't know who the fuck you're dealing with or pretend like you don't know or someone's convinced you that you can point swords at me and live to tell the tale. I don't know who told you that lie, but no, no, you can't uh, to use a wildly inappropriate, violent pirate metaphor that is actually a quote from Blackbeard from uh, Black Sails. Yes. Who told you that you could point swords with me and survive the experience? And, and you know, and I'm sure it's happened to you because it's happened to me. People come back years later yeah. and they ain't mad no more. And they're like, can we like bury a fat the guy? hatchet? And I'm like, yeah. there's no hatchet. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I, I, I'm not I wasn't carrying a hatchet. I wasn't. I can't, you were angry. I wasn't. I'm glad um, you're back. But I'm glad that uh, <laughs> yeah. my homie cool, yeah. cool deal, you know. But yeah, it, yeah, exactly. I, I've run into that many times myself. And the one thing I've learned through my decade plus, you know, advocacy for property rights and everything else that, that I've been going through is that, you know what, no matter what happens, haters are going to hate. And there's always going to be so many people out there that are that way. And if you can't learn to understand that and let it kind of slough off, you don't have a chance of dealing or accomplishing what you want to do. You just don't have that chance. Now, I got one question for you guys. I've been thinking about this for a while. Why doesn't the Libertarian Party change its name to the Liberty Party? Shorten it up, make it easier, something that's appealable to the masses. Libertarian sounds intellectual. Liberty. No, Jay, you're Jay, you're naive. We're not debating the minutia of messaging. The founders wrote it down. It's an established brand. The statement of principles are there. I'm going with that. No, I, I respect I respect you asking that question, but I'm really I'm not going to get into it. And I'll tell you, I think that's a new I think that's a newbie question. I think if if you once you've been around a while, you'll be like, no, nah, we're not going to worry about. No, this. no, but 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 my whole point is, you need something that appeals to the masses, and, and libertarians too, and intellectual for many people, and you know, Republican that, and Democrat are easy. That's that's not what's holding us back. Focus. So, so, Jay, I would, I, with all due respect to your good question and genuine motive, and <laughs> to something bigger and, and, and more important than that, I would say, I just right, wanted to. Ask. No, no. When, when you, when you have my time in, 
you will understand how I prioritize these things. Your timing. I voted for Ross Perot twice, and I voted for Anderson in the 80s, probably before you were born. When, when I was at the convention, Spike Cohen asked, who here was a libertarian from birth? And I was one of two people that raised my hand. I'll so, give you, sir, I will give you your seniority, seniority words due, because I know you as <laughs> mine within the party and activism, and I love you for it. Um, but yeah, Jay... I'm done. I'm, I'm already fucking sick of this. Your last thoughts, please. My last thoughts. Well, you know, it's disappointing to me what's happened in Minnesota. It's really sad to me that we don't have a strong candidate or dual, dual candidacy for governor. It's sad to me that some people thought that their ideas were more important than the party and more important than delivering the messages we need to deliver now. Those are my important thoughts. All right. Well said, Jay. Thank you very much for joining us, as always. And we'll give you the personal shout-out. His website uh, is gogreenenergyonline.com. And, and Turbine Guy on YouTube. Yeah. And uh, I can testify from my personal experience. He is a, a great, trustworthy advisor who will not upsell you on bullshit. On uh, and, and happy if you're at least smart and, and, and respectful of his time he's happy to consult and answer questions for anybody trying to figure out their off-grid energy systems so again thank you very much sir all right with that jim get up here so we can do our fucking sign-offs god damn we're over to, I, like this i'm like all right like i want to get okay jim before this you, one's for dc i didn't jim, even get to tell you i want jim because jim is detached jim is the one here of the three of us really detached from all of the LP bullshit, am I right, Jim? Lucky. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's been it's been kind of unique, like listening. I, I'm learning things, but at the same time, I'm still uh, the, the same. Like the all the uh, what some person called it the feces caucus. <laughs> all the feces caucus has accomplished so far is convincing me to keep my arms distance up from the libertarian party and my full investment of it, because I, I, I can't, I don't have time in my mental capacity to navigate and learn all of these new that, angles and things they're debating on. You know what I mean? That, that is enough. And I have taken the position that that is enough to condemn people for either being so emotionally mature that they should not be allowed any kind of platform associated with the party or that they are genuinely people who don't have the best interest of the movement at heart. Because there's a, all of you assholes who, and, and I can say I was one of them, I will admit, for about a week. And then I got over it with, with my thing with Larry Sharp, right? Uh, but for all the assholes who make it, that's their thing constantly. Cigars with Larry. It's people like now. Jim, like that, it's enough to sabotage the party to just put a stink on it. A stink of conflict and drama. Yep, and, and congratulations, Mises. Be the feces cuckus. Good job. Mission guys. accomplished. Good job. Mission accomplished. All right, with that, let's let's smoke some weed. This one's one for DC. You see, it's crumbling. Sorry. Oh, we're smoking weed one more time. My bad. Here we go. You see, it's weed
till the next episode, y'all. T.me forward slash Adam versus Man. Get your ass there if you haven't already. And Patreon.com forward slash Adam versus Man if you have some whim up your butt to try to financially support the show. There you go. Hope you enjoyed. It was a great one. Went long. Love y'all. See you next time. Yeah, thank you very much, Jim. Great job tonight. And and final note for me on that is a sort of producer note. Uh, this is our last episode in this format. And part of it is because of some logistics challenges, some technical difficulties. Uh, I'm sorry for everybody who was excited about this fun conversational Wednesday night format. Part of it is that we're working on something better, as always. And there has been some turnover and some changes recently that i haven't been happy with but we're taking a little break from this production we'll still be like i mean god the video i did from that rt interview with the their version versus my behind the scenes that's better than any episode of the podcast we've ever done that's on the youtube channel that's on uh, you know t.me slash adam versus the man we're going to keep posting odyssey. stuff there odyssey thank you very much joe yeah odyssey is really the destination we want to promote for videos now um odyssey.com slash uh at adam kokesh but uh, it's been a blast. Uh, Joey, I, I want to give you a chance to sign off on this this series of Adam versus the Man. You can catch me with my mouth full. <laughs> He's like, I thought I was done. I'm back no, here of course, here. I, give, I give everybody a chance to say their final thoughts. My final thoughts. Just think for yourselves, right? That's it. In the last wait, two years and three months have taught us that... Um, government will blatantly lie to people and scare them into turning against you and sometimes it's not always that just tread lightly and be honest with people and uh dial up your emotional maturity so that you can pass joints and not judgment thank you joey that's it thank you jim and everybody else who made this season of adam versus the man possible well peace and love y'all choose happiness and be excellent to each other What's the